0: Alright, hello all you beautiful people out there, this is Hobart coming at you, Um, another day out here in the East Bay under lockdown, seems like things are kind of starting to loosen up a little bit, Um, and I think that uh, we all are kind of feeling, I've noticed in myself and and in the way that I see people moving around um this feeling like hopefully this this thing is starting to resolve a little bit uh I think it's going to be real hard to to keep everyone sheltered inside as the weather continues to get nicer and nicer um and you're seeing it um I know our neighborhood is is filled with you know people walking out and about in the streets. They shut down a bunch of the streets in Oakland so that um, we could have sit like safe distance uh, walking on the street so that people would have a little more space, and that's been pretty cool to see how that's changed uh, the neighborhood. But uh, but yeah, um, I'm definitely looking forward to hopefully having a summer where we can again congregate and, uh, you know, get together because I miss all you, I miss all you guys. Um, yeah, so my guest today, uh, <clears throat> this is a really important episode, uh, for me. And I think for a lot of, uh, people that I grew up with, um, Today on my podcast, on this episode of the Bartcast, I have uh, a guest who has been one of the most important figures in my own life and in my own development. Um, you know, my, my parents got divorced when I was eight and, uh, you know, for for many years it was just me and my mom and my brother. And uh, we, our little family got you know, we got really embraced by the small community that we grew up in and had a lot of, uh, you know, I'm very grateful that me and my brother had some really, um, powerful male role models, uh, to, to, you know, to kind of model after. Um, and this guy certainly, when I think about, uh, people that have had an effect on, on how I develop my style and my own, like, funky personality, I, you know, right at the top of the list is this dude. Um, he's just been uh, such an example of, like, what it means to be a, you know, well-rounded and healthy and uh, charismatic male in this world. And... uh I've had him, you know, not only as a family friend, but also later in in high school as a teacher, and, uh, you know, every time I get to get together and hang with him, it's like, man, I wish I could do this all the time. It's, it's, It was really nice to sit down and have this long conversation with him, and, um, that man is none other than Mr. Jasper Starfire Thelen, uh. Many people know him as the art and drama teacher at Sir Francis Drake High School, my own alma mater. Uh, but he's also works as uh, the direct—you know—one of the directors, or, or they call them supers, up at Camp Winter Rainbow, a, a performing arts camp in Northern California. Um, and he's just an all-around performer. You know, he, he's an actor. Uh, he's participates in a theater company up in marin doing shakespeare um he's an entertainer a juggler a, and you know i met him first when i was in elementary school and he was working at the after school program and he just i just remember he used to just have a crowd of kids gathered around him every day uh and if you went up to him you know he would pretty much draw you whatever you wanted and you know me i was such a little sci-fi nerd back in the day that i was always like you know draw me a robot robots on a on mars with a spaceship and you know and he would uh he would totally you know without missing a beat honor my request and he's such an amazing you know illustrator that uh you know, it was like I would always walk away with some, like, really cool picture, you know. Um, and that was such a feature of uh, childhood, you know, gathering around, waiting my turn, and then getting my cool robot alien Martian landscape drawing from Jasper. Um, but, uh, yeah, today we are talking about uh, a topic that's very near and dear to me, Um Which, I'm going to call this one, I think, you know, I'd like to start, you know, giving my, these these Bartcast episodes clever names. You know, those of you that know me know I'm a bit of a word nerd. So, um, I think I'm going to call this one The End of Rock, because that's what we're getting into today. Um, the, The high school I went to, Sir Francis Drake, had a very special especially for a public school, Um, it had this set of programs uh, for, they were two-year programs and they had a bunch for juniors and seniors, but also for incoming freshmen, there was a couple of different programs you could choose to enter into that were alternative education structures. And perhaps the most successful one was the one that I ended up getting into, which was called the revolution of core knowledge or rock program and uh, this was for the first two years we're going to get into it a little deeper about explaining what it was but basically it was a project based small learning community where you had the same four teachers uh in the morning and you were in you were in classes that were divided up uh where you were learning us alongside uh sophomores so Freshman, sophomore classes on a two year rotating schedule Um, so that, you know, your freshman year, you're getting some sophomore classes and you're also getting to draw on the leadership of these sophomores that have already been in the program for a year. And then in your second year, you kind of get that status and you get to be a leader and you get to put, you know, what you've learned and help the younger kids. And it it was just such an amazing program. Um, very academically rigorous and at the same time the um uh, you know these teachers' ability to to really uh bring out um, their students' creativity and to challenge us to think in novel ways to problem solve um to to put together projects, uh, and really rely on ourselves and on each other. So much of the program was about working on a group and like, what do you do if, uh, you know, if old Mike, you know, misses a group meeting and how does that reflect when you comes time at the end of the project, you, we, we would have to divide up our grades, uh, amongst us. So we would divide up the points. And so sometimes, you know, if one person wasn't pulling their weight, uh, you know, they might get docked and the other people would get higher grades and they would get lower grades. And having to do that negotiation process was always really tricky at the end. And you had people that were a little more devious or not. And I'll never forget, uh, sometimes, you know, we would try to go to the teacher cause you'd have to get the teacher to, you'd have to get everybody in the, in the, in the group to sign off on the final grades. And then you'd have to get a teacher to sign off on it. And I remember bringing uh, our sheet to our teacher, Griffo, and, and being like, look, we're all just going to take the same grade. Uh, we're all fine with this. And him just with this kind of mischievous smile being like, I'm not going to sign it. You guys got to, you know, I don't think this is what represents your guys' contributions and you guys are going to have to figure this out. And having to go back in and, you know, make compromises, uh, it taught me a lot. And I, I still use these skills to this day. Um but yeah, Jasper, I think, you know, in in addition to everything I'll say about him, um, one of the things that I've always, and I, I remember having this thought, you know, m- very early on, probably 10 or 11 years old, uh, seeing this guy in my community. I think that when I think about Jasper, um, he really, exemplifies this this image of a of a collector of skills um and for me you know i almost thought of him as like this medieval like minstrel type character who like wandered the countryside and had all these different tricks he could do whether it was juggling or uh acting or freestyle rapping or drawing or you know he just had all these creative abilities that for a young hobart you know, it almost was like a, there was almost like a mystical nature to it. He almost had like some sort of a magician's gravitas and, uh, and yet was always uh, the type of person that would look you right in the eye and, and talk to you as if you were an equal. You know, a lot of par a lot of adults have this tendency to change their voice when they talk to kids, not really realizing that like kids can tell that you're t- talking to them differently. And it really makes it uh, a little bit harder to identify with what you're saying. And I know I've certainly, you know, Jasper's been a big influence on how I've modeled my own communication with kids and how I tend to talk to them because um, I really appreciated it uh, the way that I would, you know, that he would talk to me when I was little. So, uh, yeah, in this episode, we get into The End of Rock, which is was this really seminal program for a lot of us. And I know when I first heard that rock was ending you know my initial reaction was like what like how could this be this was such an amazing program it was so successful they had waiting lists uh and i got you know i felt pretty sad about it and um and i was also a big surprise and i think a lot of my fellow rock alumni will be shocked to learn that this program is coming to an end and probably go through some of the same emotions that i had um But I do also know that there is no one out there better to tell this story or explain it and find the positive side of it than this man, uh, Jasper. And so I really wanted to have him on to to tell the story and also to talk about the future and what's coming next because it's so easy to get bogged down in in the feelings of loss. But uh, it sounds like there's a lot of uh, potential here to create something really beautiful and awesome. Um, And the fact that uh, Jasper is going to be, you know, dedicating himself towards that end, I I really uh, feel optimistic and I I feel like the students are going to be really served um, by his efforts. So uh, I hope you guys all enjoy this. We did it. There were some kind of weird, Excuse me. There, there were some kind of weird audio issues with the mics. I've done my best to try to clean it up, but uh, apologies for that. You know, doing these, doing this stuff remotely uh, is a process, and you know, sometimes you get your guest on and things aren't really working. You kind of got to act on the fly, and it's all part of the learning curve as I continue to uh, to figure this stuff out and. So, you know, I think there was times when my mic was maybe cutting out or Jasper couldn't hear me, um, and, uh, you know, which is fine. I mean, you know, it it would have been worse if, if it was all me and you couldn't hear him. (laughs) So I, uh, I wanted him on to tell the story and I think he did that in a, in a very, um, apt way. Uh, so Yeah. Check it out guys, Um, I'm really stoked on this one, Uh, this is like a a story I feel really needs to be told and I can think of no one better uh, than my main man Jazz, so um, hope you all enjoy it and uh, we shall get started now on this episode 5 of the Bartcast featuring Jasper Starfire Thelen. What's up, Jasper? How you doing, man?
1: Hi, Hope thanks for having me on man what a cool project you and the podcast
0: yeah I'm loving it it's been a, a great uh, creative process you know?
1: so how many how many episodes have you had now
0: this is episode five right now that we are um, currently on and uh, yeah um, um, it's it's just been like an evolving process as we you know, as I continue doing it, every every time Damn. i'm getting hold on one sec, okay, I think it's good. we can carry on um right on, yeah man just uh you know i've i've been I've been a pretty staunch podcast listener for the last i'd say seven years, and uh it's probably like my chief form of you know recreation and uh Slash just mental occupation when I'm doing other stuff. Um, and, and for the last couple of years, I've had this idea of wanting to do one myself. And uh, it really took this whole pandemic situation for me to, to finally um, kind of take an inventory of uh, what was holding me back from ever doing it, from just talking about it. And uh, I just, uh, I just uh, I did a little research you know- on what the tech requirements were for it and realized that i actually had everything i needed and um within like a couple days i was just having a conversation with a friend and pitched the idea to him and he loved it and so, and so i've been trying to do one a week
1: and uh pitch the what I, you cut out on pitch the.
0: I, I pitched the idea to my friend and
1: uh Back. how were you there yeah, for can some you hear reason, me? The, for some reason you're cutting out.
0: Let's see. Oh, here we go. Let's. Is that better? Can you hear me?
1: Yeah, when when you're when I can hear you fine, except then it just totally cuts out, as if it's like yeah. a connection I think, conundrum.
0: I think the problem was that there's like connection I've got like three different uh, programs that I have to run my mic through. And I think I had them set to different configurations, but I think they all should be coming in through the same way i think there's it's also just Skype, so it's not a perfect connection, so it might cut out at points
1: right, yeah, internet is internet no matter what
0: exactly there's a little there's always a little bit of uh oh. mystic uh you know mysticism thrown into the to the digital mix, which I think somehow i I'm like a little intrinsically more comfortable with. <laughs> having a degree yeah. of randomness in our, in our tech.
1: <laughs> it took me a long time to realize that that's even a thing because I always assume when there's something doesn't work out with computers, it's gotta be my fault, you know? And then finally I was around some, some tech whizzes who were like, Oh yeah, you know, sometimes the electrons just do something funky and things are weird, you know? And I finally realized that, Oh, that's okay. It, it is possible That the technology is is at fault and not me
0: right it's it's almost like uh we have this tendency to think of electronics as being because you know they're artifices and we think of them as being artificial like they're somehow independent from the natural world but yeah exactly everything everything came from the planet so there is some elemental function there
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And, and it's true that the mystery having a little glimmer of of mystics is actually better, even though it's not easier, but it's, it it's more, uh, more natural for sure.
0: Yeah. I was talking to last week. I had my buddy, uh, Eli Carlton Pearson on, and he was talking about how he's got this old funky iPhone and old funky laptop and it doesn't always really work and there's like some weird issues that he just has like learned to live with. But he has like a very, <clears throat> almost like a romantic uh, connection with it, you know, because it's, you know, be- it feels more human to him because it's kind of funky. It's like an old car, you know, sometimes you got to shake it to get it started. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How are things out in, uh, are you you're out in Woodacre today?
1: Yep, yeah, as we have been since March 13th.
0: Yeah, how are um, you guys holding up in the in the in the fern house?
1: You know, we're so blessed to have to be out in the country to have open space where we can walk and to have our whole family here together and uh the resources to be perfectly comfortable since we both have our teacher income continuing, we, you know, we we don't have the hardship that is The biggest deal besides people who are dying. Um, So we're really blessed in that way. Today is the first change of our, what is it, nine weeks now or something? Mm -hmm. But Cyrus just left this morning. We finally approved his desire. He's been clamoring for like two months now to go visit his girlfriend in LA. And we just, we're not ready to to give the thumbs up on that with, with the situation. But now um so he's gonna he, he just drove drove left today in my car to go spend two weeks down at her house
0: wow man two months in in teenager years is like two years
1: <laughs> right yeah he, he's he was patient for sure
0: yeah yeah i was gonna ask you how is uh the this the shelter in place have you noticed like uh, any interesting changes in the family dynamic of of Having everybody cooped up together.
1: Um, yeah. Well, I was thinking. I think it's the only time ever in our lives where all four of us were to, even when the kids were babies, where all four of us were together and no one was going to school, right? Right. Because by the by the time Willow was born, Cyrus was in kindergarten, and I was always leaving for school every day, even. the the, when Cyrus was born and so we get to be together all the time and that's been really nice and also you know challenging enough of people getting annoyed with each other and whatever but overall total positive as far as the the fact that we're getting to be here safe and sound all together you know
0: get that good family time in yeah right lots of epic magic card tourneys I'm sure (laughs)
1: <laughs> a little bit not so much turn it turnies we've done a little bit of the remote like you we were talking about uh-huh. with with some friends yeah but it takes two you got to have your computer and your phone for the what you're looking at and what you're showing you know uh, so it's two angles you got to have both and it's just hard to read because the screen's glitchy and mm-hmm. it, it was a lot of work sounds like it Worth yeah i had it, a new roommate just, move in hard. who's
0: a Who's magic friendly. And that's been something we've been busting out the old decks and, and, trying to, uh,
1: on a zoom thing.
0: No, no, just in the house. He's, he moved into the yeah. house right before yeah. this uh, stuff started. Perfect, Yeah. So, um, yeah, Cyrus
1: so... and I have done a little bit. Um, but, but, um, not, not constant. Cause he's been in college mostly like he's, oh, right. he's been either in his room, staying up late, talking to his girlfriend, mm-hmm. like on Skype, constantly or doing school you know so he hasn't been just lounging around as much
0: did uh what was i gonna say oh has he um have you had any conversations with him about how uh his college experience has changed like with the curriculum learning online. Has he talked to you at all about
1: that? Yeah. I mean, that's been a big, because he goes to an expensive East coast school, Oberlin yep. near Cleveland. And so we're still waiting to find out as of now, they've announced that they're planning to have full on school in the fall. And so uh-huh. that's, you know, dubious, but, but uh, at least that's what to plan for. Cause if it wasn't if, like some schools are going fully remote and, he agrees with us that that's not worth it to spend all this m- amount of money for a private school thing. If he's only, if it's all going to be remote, he might as well just stay home and and get online units at another college, you know?
0: Right. Yeah. I was, th- I was thinking about the, that the other day, if I had been in college when this all hit, I'd have a really hard time, you know, agreeing to play a full price for, for a virtual, you know, online course,
1: you know? Yeah, right. Exactly. And the evidence is that nobody is getting as much out of it online. I mean, it's pretty obvious, but you know, no matter how good relatively people are doing in their online versions, it still pales in comparison to, to being in the room, you know?
0: Yeah. I mean, there's no substitute for that face to face learning and,
1: Yeah. And, and you know, and I'm I'm seeing it as a as a um, dovetail situation with what I think we're going to get into in terms of in terms of new structures and everything of of high school, at least, you know, because it's a it's a tragedy in all this with the pandemic. But it's also is synchronistic, maybe not serendipitous, (laughs) but at least synchronistic that we're reinventing the small learning communities at Drake, um, at the same exact time as, as school is reinventing itself, you know, totally.
0: Right. Yeah. I want to get into that with you. Uh, first of all, I was thinking, you know, we've had a couple short conversations about, you know, this fact that, uh, you know, for, for our community, certainly the, 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 the the very well known revenue revolution of core knowledge rock program is, is in its last year. And I know it'll come to a shock as a lot of people. So I was just wondering if uh, maybe if you wouldn't mind just giving like a really brief summary of what the rock program was, and uh, then we can talk about kind of what the, what the situation has been and, and uh, what it's going to be looking forward.
1: Yeah. So Mary Kitchens is um, a founding member of 28 years um, at Drake. In the early 90s, the school was at a nadir of um, achievement and population. It was only like 600-something kids in the school. Budgets and test scores and all this stuff was bad. And so a group of teachers had the opportunity to get these um, grants from Nabisco Corporation that I think was – like tobacco um punishing I think nabisco was owned by um Philip Morris or something who had to be paying a lot of money to make up for their cancerous death sticks they've been selling mm-hmm. for for you know and lying about for for a century or whatever in the early nineties and so and so the, the a big grant came through for small learning communities is was the buzzword and still is. About the importance of real world skills and group learning and community service and um, project based learning. Uh, and so Mary Kitchens and some others came up with um, the, this program that was also the same year as um, Comicad started, and I think CDISC was soon thereafter. So there was a big move towards these making small communities of uh, cultural groups within a bigger high school. So people didn't get lost as easily and everything. Mm. Um, and the kids themselves in the early years named the revolution of core knowledge. They didn't know that that was going to be a permanent name even, but ah. so, and there was a lot of like review and a binder every year and here's what they're doing. And very, very, um, you know, carefully assessed every year to keep the big funding thing going. Um, Fast forward to the year 2000, I joined the team and the four teachers who are still in it crossing the finish line this year, Michael wing doc teaching science and Paul Griffo social studies and Mary kitchens, one of the founders in English. The four of us have been together for these 20 years. Like when you came through the program was right in the middle of that, I think.
0: And, and just so that, uh, People who may not be aware, can you say what the subjects were that you taught?
1: Yeah. Oh, and so I'm the fourth member um, teaching in alternate years of a year of um, art explorations and drawing and painting, and then a whole year of uh, drama, beginning drama, for half of the cohort. So half freshmen, half sophomores every year. Really, the mixed age thing, I feel like, is a secret weapon in education, having that two year thing where you get to be mentors for a year and, and get to be aspirational for a year.
0: Yeah. uh, I mean, that uh, is really
1: huge, you know?
0: Right. That was a huge, I mean, I'm really lucky that, you know, growing up in in the San Geronimo Valley and getting to go to the open classroom, me and my brother both uh, have had that, you know, multi-year same class model really, you know, there was a a short stint of a couple years in middle school where we were in in our respective grades, but I think pretty much for me from like first grade, definitely through sixth, you know, was in these like two year classes, uh, with two different grades and then, yeah, in, in rock. Um, and, and even going through into, I did C-disc for my junior year. So that, that ability to not only, um, you know, look for support to the old, to your older classmates, um, but also then to be able to turn around and take the leadership role. Uh, and and you guys as teachers were, were, were very, uh, effective at encouraging, um, the older students to really, uh, you know, explore, you know, what that leadership meant in, in a lot of our project groups.
1: And it meant, it means that you're building culture, where if you do something for two years in a row, then it's perceived the next year as being an eternal thing. So all the little cultural things about rock kings and queens and sophomore awards and the birthday song mm-hmm. and memorizing your roll call and the, uh, houses being posted and the house cup and uh, all the different little pieces that kids associate as being like eternal parts of rock or, or that the freshmen – bring the food to the picnic on the, on the sophomore awards day or the rock review talent show thing and, and just the, and the bar of, of work products in terms of quality level of what you're going to do for a big 3D timeline or a skit about diseases or whatever you're going to do is raised because everybody is referring to the sophomores and they only learned from the, their sophomores the year before that. So you've got this, this um, slowly rising tide of quality that I think is a big reason like it's and we earned we we built equity of all those little cultural nuggets and academic rigor in the course of of every year getting to build on the previous year you know and so that's i think a big piece of that is the the staggered piece and so i would have a year of the of of all the kids in art where sometimes the shy the shyest kid is the best artist and the big, loudmouth, um, charismatic character is really, really challenged in in visual arts. And then flip flop the other year, the the, the extroverted people have are, are more confident and grounded in the theater year, and the um, and the shy kids have to really learn how to get along and, and step out of their comfort zone, which is a kind of a natural kind of status flip flop that happens each year um, where, since I get to have the same kids in those different classes, you know?
0: Right. And so, you know, I, I think one thing that's important, you know, for those who may not be familiar with the program as well, uh, you know, a lot of the work that gets done in rock are, are, um, is the, are these project based learning objectives. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong a project was like, what it was like, two, two months long or a month long. Yeah. Six, like in between that, usually six to eight weeks for most of the projects. So we'd have these projects, you know, some of the ones that are, really come to mind for me are like the disease project where you get, uh, you know, split up into small groups, three and four people, uh, with a mix of sophomores and freshmen. And, uh, you get, uh, I think through some, system of random randomness assigned a a disease to learn about um and and then you know for the next you know two months or so you're really uh you know your your four core classes are covering covering this topic uh from just about every angle right is that the idea
1: yeah well and we were in the disease project when this global shutdown happened so it was totally you know tuned into how the, the headlines and the disease as it all ro- rose you know wow. we had to cancel the disease debate tournament we just oh. i had i had just posted the the big march madness brackets um the like the same week on the and then the thursday was our last day of school and then the subsequent monday was going to be the beginning of the debates
0: yeah i'll i'll never so forget we had uh, our group i got breast cancer for our for our group and we did a uh i don't i forget it how we did in the debates but i rem- remember that we did a performance we all had to do songs at the end
1: right that's that we had just finished the big song performances Yeah. but the debates are a separate the, are the final culminating thing after the song, the musicals
0: and it's so what it's was, so what real was your what your breast you cancer were, song? sorry i cut you off what were you saying
1: what was your breast cancer song
0: oh we did uh, we did our song was called "Lump in the Nipple" and it was to the tune of "Smoke on the Water" by Deep Purple. Oh yeah. So I was like
1: uh, yeah, and kids. I think singing is is a, 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 talk about a secret weapon. I mean, weapons really. I don't like that kind of war metaphor, but like a unknown valuable thing mm-hmm. is that doing non typical products is helps kids remember. and Here you are. What is that? You know, ten, fifteen years later. And you you remember the song you did about, about it. And I bet you, you know, the si- some science inside that song too, right?
0: Oh yeah, for sure. And I mean, especially coming from Marine County, which has such a high per capita high rate of uh, this of, particular affliction, um, you know, um, you know, I, I've known, I have a lot of known good. friends good. that have, have, am I, am I cutting out right now?
1: No, not you were, but now you're not, I don't know. Okay. Um, uh, I just, uh, I'm, I'm
0: what I miss, I was just saying that it's, it's, I've, I've known a lot of families that have been touched by this particular one. So it definitely, despite the, uh, you know, the levity of the song and it was really, it was fun to, to do that and to, and to, uh, to bring some positive energy into it. It was also, um, you know, very relevant, you know, given, given just the area that I've
1: grown up in. Yeah, we had over the years, there was lots of times, you know, except for the exotic diseases, you know, like, like the bubonic plague and Ebola and stuff, m- many of the diseases did touch home for kids. And I think that was, and, and, and treat, treating them with levity, but not flippancy, you know, like right. it, it, we the reason they're singing all the songs is about learning them really well and having good energy in the performance. But over the years, some people handle it by not wanting to do diseases that they're they knew people connected to. And other times I remember a kid, Alex Freeman gave herself a insulin shot during the bridge to a song. She came downstage center and sat down and gave herself the shot in the leg and then stood back up, rejoined the choreography. And then they kicked in with the rest of the song. And it was one of the most powerful moments, you know, of her, of her, and they had diabetes was their disease obviously. Right. So it was, super potent
0: yeah it was almost like a a, um it brings to mind like the tradition of the like you know live hip-hop mc show mic drop kind of thing which was definitely a theme in a lot of the performance aspects of of the rock projects there were uh there was this kind of feeling like uh how can we you know, it was lightly competitive in the sense that you were, you were really like wanting to push to be creative and bring, you know, have, have a, a moment that would get an ooh from the crowd. Um, sure. I, sure. I remember that being really motivational as we worked on how do we transmute this data that we're studying into uh, and package it in a way to where we can, you know, really fire up our, you know, our comrades, our, ki- our classmates. Well, and, our-
1: and, ha- and having a, uh, an authentic audience where you're you're turning work in not just to the teacher which is so easy and comfortable to kids but where your peers are out there in the theater watching you all perform together I think is the most high stakes in a good way high stakes for kids to really want to to do their best you know and we tried to get project we designed projects to have something where every type of learner is going to excel at something so the, the prototypical, you know, high-achieving sophomore girl, for example, mm-hmm. uh, who's really good about editing and taking care of all the essay and organizational, right? We'd call it the blue hat if we want to get into the Edward de Bono's blue hat theory of group dynamics. But she might not be the best at public speaking or art or something else. And so we try to have different pieces of every project, different products within every project where where your group is going to be celebrating a different skill set of different types of, of kids in the group, you know, having boys and girls and freshmen and sophomores and everything, you know?
0: Yeah. Can you, uh, can you take me through what the process was like for you and, and, uh, Ms. K and Griffo and Doc, when you guys would uh, set out to create a new project, like what did that workflow look like?
1: Well, we would start with where we you know, what do we want them to learn? You know, it's, it, where where are we going? And and in rock, a lot of it is about iterations. And so, like writing an essay and citing your sources and having a strong you know thesis um, with judgment criteria and evidence, and then doing that every single time. Where you, you take notes on your different sources, you do bibliographic information, you you, you write your essay from your notes. Is something that is just about practice, right? Mm-hmm. And so every project we, most project we would try and build some research, some some of that research and essay with a thesis into it. Um, and so some of the skill building things had to do with iterations. And so we'd fit that in, or like writing a business letter, mm-hmm. an actual real life business letter, is a skill that um, was valuable, is valuable, and they don't get it a lot of places, um, but. Then, the fun and games factor, actually doc is always the one who is like "We need more fun and games, we need more fun and games
0: nice.
1: and then i 'd often be the one who's who kind of pitches ideas like the disease debate tournament, you know, having that be the outcome for it or whatever but but he was very aware um of the the critical value of doing nonlinear um on your feet kind of um performative ways to, to get, um, some fun and playfulness into these rigorous projects. Right? right. And then, and then we would, we'd get all our things on there, the elements, different products, right. And then look at the calendar basically and say, okay, well, this has to be here. And then we'd usually cut a couple of things that were either wouldn't just fit in the, the time frame or, or not, you know, and would then you? over the years, since we did them every, every other year, we would revisit, either the same four projects of the year, or maybe we would do three out of four the same and write one new one every couple of years. So in the course of 20 years together, we have probably 15 or 18 different projects written that we would slowly cycle through. But even the ones we would redo, like let's say the disease project is coming up this year we would dust it off, go back and look at our notes from the previous year in the, in the, you know, six page project descriptor that everybody gets and then we would, okay, let's change this, oh yeah, that took too long. Let's shrink it or let's that was really good. Let's give it more time this year or whatever and so that iterative process um also applied to our um project design too
0: so it, did, did did you guys um would you guys have like scheduled time uh to work collaboratively on developing these projects together like did you guys have meetings? uh, yeah. in a sense, group just, meetings to use it, to coin the term, uh, where you guys have, were actually creating these things.
1: We met for four hours a week every week for 20 years. Wow. So during one our one, you know, teachers typically have five classes to be a full-time teacher and then two preparation periods where you're not teaching those in a seven period day. And one of those, we you don't have to do it contractually, but we agreed to always have a shared conference period, and the administration would provide, a, you know, on the schedule, that's a, actually a, a tricky ask to make sure that all the small learning community teams have a shared conference period that is at the same exact time. Right. Um, and so we would always meet in Ms. K's room, you know, third period or whatever it was that year. And um, we did the math. Few, last month. Oh, now I can't remember, but the amount of time. Well, let's see, 36 weeks a year for four hours a week. I don't know how good your men- how quick your mental math is, but we spent
0: 144 um, hours. I think
1: a year times 20 years.
0: 144 right? times 20. What is that?
1: Well, it'd be <laughs> 288. It'd be almost three. 000, right?
0: Almost 2,900.
1: Almost hours. three thousand. Yeah. And so divide that by 24, and you can know how many days a equ- full day equivalents we, um, or no, whatever. I'm just saying. Besides yeah. sleeping, <laughs> assuming no sleep. Right, but the right. point is, we really we we got to the point, are at the point now, where, you, where we finish each other's sentences. We totally know the stories. Like Doc will go into a story about something, and I can remember, you know. Just knowing exactly what where what the details of the story will be and what the point will be at the end, because we've we'd all been through the same synaptic pathways of conversations. You you almost have that uh, you have that
0: yeah. relational shorthand in in a sense, right?
1: Yeah, we really do, and that's something that you know as we get into this new structure idea, that is really really sad to me is the equity that we that we're um, giving away you know, and it's interesting because the motivator of the whole change, you could narrow down to one word, which is equity, but it's a different word, Mm. right? People feeling, feeling like they wanted better equity and equity for different kinds of learners and equity of teaching assignments or all these different things that are pretty squishy, but real. Um, And for the sake of that equity, we're Almost completely, hopefully not. We'll be able to retain some of it. That's what I'm working on. But we're we're mostly throwing away that sweat equity hmm. that ROC's been doing for twenty eight years and a lot of these other SLCs we can talk about have been doing for some other number of years of building up and so now we're we're doing this fresh start the staff voted for for the sake of equity and freshness, but so this without So this getting is the last of year shortened.
0: of this ROC program, correct?
1: Correct. And so just going back a little bit from it, it, parallel to ROC going for 28 years and the 11-12 like, Communications Academy and the Environmental Studies Academy and the um, engineering came and went, uh, among others, there was also a lot of 9 and 10 year, you know, like ROC, freshman, sophomore programs that came along that um, were motivated always organically by a group of teacher who wanted in on this Drake integrated studies curriculum um idea which included a little bit of money for field trips and guest artists or something yeah. um and so there was Galileo and Mobius and Diggs integrated study uh, international global studies academy like theme and uh trek and circles And clusters. These are all names of programs that teachers went into, and they they existed for kids, went through them, and then went away. In the course of Rock just being the the steady um, constant, but and there was um, I'm, I'm forgetting a few off the bat, and led to New Tech, and then which evolved into the Learning Collaborative (TLC), and then that went grew into the Learning Collaborative North, East, South, and West each of which was a three-person small learning community with sort of an aligned um, assessment protocol and practice that came out of their new tech trainings and technology platforms and stuff that that big, really big cohort of teachers were all into with standards-based grading and these different kinds of things. All these programs coming and, and, and many of them going. Oh, Rock 2 was one in the 90s, The Deuce, Mm-hmm. Um, before I taught there, I was a guest artist for them and it showed that piece really demonstrated that branding does matter because I really think that the reason rock two didn't fly was cause it was, you know, it it didn't have the name of its It was a second version, like off brand or whatever. Right. And so I think that's going to be a big piece as I get into explaining this year's next plan. We don't have branding yet. Um okay. and so that all happened and over the course of those years, as the teachers came and went, rose and fell, some of which really rung successfully, right? Like they had identity. Kids were proud of being oh, and then the other one that was was, was still going strong with a waiting list at the end called Da Vinci mm. was another one, the the only other one in all of that those listed that integrated electives as well as the core classes. Mm. Da Vinci had a thing. It wasn't quite as symmetrical as rock, which we call a four by four, right? We had four houses of 25 ish kids, um, with four teachers and four classes. So we had perfect symmetry to flip flop and re- and socially engineer the, the, the house rosters and then reshuffle everybody during a new project, et cetera. Um, Da Vinci didn't have that because their freshmen took one elective and their sophomores took a different one. But those teachers were all built were all had skin in the game to to collaborate with the the core teachers. And so Da Vinci was a including it had engine um what's it called? Um engineering aspects, right? Oh, awesome. So they had cool 3D printing and drones and building cardboard um pinball machines and, and really neat stuff like that. So they they were they're cranking. Um but Teachers felt over the years like rock was getting um, more of the high achieving students. I think that is a fair statement that that's how a lot of people felt. But it was never assessed in a metric way. like you would think you'd do if you were a, a teachers or a district or a administration, right? You'd want to kind of look at it. What is the detail? And so it was all speculative. And kind of parking lot feeling about who, which was really weird for us, you know, because people right. wouldn't come to us and say, hey, it's not fair. Or, hey, no one ever came and said, hey, what are you doing that's successful? Can't right. emulate it. <laughs> right. That's the thing that sort of, you know, in all honesty, is what's um, the, the biggest mystery to, is that if rock and then da vinci the last four or five years were were getting so many more sign ups for people from eighth grade families yeah then it begs an obvious question at least from all the parents and people who have been in the course of the last nine months coming to talk to me about it they you know why not just replicate or emulate what the, what's what's successful right
0: right it, it would, it would uh, follow it seems logical that you would not throw away what was working, but instead, you know, uh, create a system to get a, a greater degree of access, whether that means, you know, creating more pods that have a similar structure. And then, you know, you guys over the course of these decades have, you already have all the, like the format of how to build these projects pretty like robustly established. It's, it it seems like it would have made more sense to just try to add on as it were, you know, maybe you can, you could, you could play around with the branding, but have another rock, you know, call it rock Eastern conference or rock, you know, or, or give it, you know, something else. But, um, it it is interesting to think about how much, you know, that, that perception that all the quote unquote higher achieving students, uh, that rock was somehow getting them to, to me, the question would be like, well, yeah, it's true that students that students were pretty high achieving in those programs, but I don't think that that like you know it's it's not that like you have these eighth graders coming in that are automatically high or low achieving people, like so much of it has to do with the system that they find themselves enmeshed in you know
1: right the culture and and you could assess you know what were their whatever data points g p a attendance happiness quotient, or whatever in eighth grade. And then measure them again at the end of sophomore year, that would be a way to do it. But that's just tricky and and, and there's all kinds of speculative aspects to it. And I wanna, you know, make it clear that there's the, the part of the thing is it's way it's really complicated. Mm-hmm. And it's human beings involved and many wonderful teachers doing really great work in these other programs as well, right? right. So it's not like everybody would agree that there was, that there was better, you know, achieving kids in rock and that it was more successful universally, right? right? That's something that wouldn't, it feels like, because a lot of people would say that, it feels like you could stipulate to it, but it turns out you could not. Mm. People did not um, say that's true. And so that was sort of, sort of a, a piece where, no, we're not gonna say that. And so an assessment went out, finally, and the data showed that it was not higher achieving kids in rock, like you're saying. Mm. Um, you know, uh, maybe a few metrics here and there, and it wasn't a big comprehensive study, but it was finally uh, we sat at tables and looked at data, and it was interesting to see that that wasn't true because it, was, it had been all speculated for for years and years, right? Yeah. Um, but part of the complicating thing comes down to to my position of being the art, this fourth wheel in all the other programs being three by threes, and all, bottom line. All the art teachers don't want want to be in an academy. That was a really big piece where if you're just moving chess pieces around, then, yeah, you can do like you're saying, make replicate or build another thing or use the same templates and, and whatnot. Right. Yeah. But but when you go to the, the other electives teachers and people, do you want to give up your prep period? It's to design these projects that are – and then are you going to give up – the other thing we didn't say is so the way projects work is to the kids it acts like a fifth class, right? Mm -hmm. And the way that works structurally is each one of us gives up a quarter of our content periods. And for me, instead of teaching art, every fourth rotation, you know, which takes basically approximately once a week, I would not teach art and go supervise the project that period. Maybe they were writing an essay about their disease – Um, And other elective teachers, that doesn't appeal to them at all, right? Right. And so for me, it works out because in the project, we would build artful things into it, right? Where you had to write a song in the drama year and build a beautiful 3D illustrated timeline in the art year. So the projects contain art. So curricularly, it's totally legit. But in terms of my daily rhythm and and my art teaching for elective teachers, they didn't really want to do it, you know? And so it becomes a much more complicated calculus of building new structures, because you're not just moving chess pieces of teachers around. You're, and contractually, no one can say you you have to teach in a, in a on a team. That's not that's not something that you can assign, right?
0: Right. Yeah, it's you're describing this kind of multi dimensional aspect where you have uh, not only have to to navigate and satisfy the, you know, the needs of the students and their parents and, and, the, and the perception of these programs, you have this administrative side of it too. And then you have to recognize that like these teachers are people as well, and they have their own career ambitions and their own goals and their own styles for how they teach. So I can see how, uh, yeah. the, the levels of complexity right. only multiply.
1: Yeah, and we'll get to that when we talk about the, the the moving forward part. But finishing the story of how we got to up till now. Yeah. About three years ago, we hired this outfit called Circle Up, who are really good, like Camp Winter Rainbow style, um, you know, Circle Restorative Justice, um, Restorative Cohort, um, problem solving stuff, and had a lot of staff time. I was part of the restorative um cohort like leader, leading circle groups to 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 do staff wide conversations and everything and basically they were facilitating us over the course of a couple of years of our PD time to identify what are our biggest needs for the school. Mm-hmm. And so we did like colored sticker note sticky notes on the on the um flip charts around the room and prioritizing and boiling it down and all that kind of you know um scholastic style of problem uh, of you know addressing problems and it came down to the priority list the SLCs was number 1 by far mm. right and so the admin wasn't necessarily hot to trot on um restructuring all this stuff because sure people they they have to deal with complaints every year which i which i think was their real hardest part right people who don't get their first choice of an SLC, be it Rock or Da Vinci or another one, mm-hmm. but then the, those parents and kids writing aggrieved letters and and crying on the phone and stuff, I think it was a real, real hard for the admin, you know, for the whole right. summer, every summer kind of. And, um, and just
0: but, just for the uh for those who do who may not be aware of how the system works, can you just quickly uh explain students yeah
1: in the olden days kids had to write a letter to because when there was only rock was the only nine ten option and it was just you and you got into rock or you went into just seven classes normal mode right Mm -hmm. um before the other other small learning communities started growing up um you would have to write a letter but it wasn't um an application where i like i never once even read letters i remember maybe saw the stack once or twice, but never even read them. It was more of a gatekeeper of, do you care enough about applying for this? Right. And then they had to wait in the morning, first come, first serve. And then it became a thing <laughs> where people were getting there at four o'clock in the morning. You're camping out. Like camping for a out to get in line because it was first come, first serve. And now it's maybe late 90s. I'm still not working there yet. But then, or no, I guess it, this is the first couple of years of my era too, which I started in fall of 2000. But, and then it became a Lottery where you'd put your name in the thing and they would pull out the ones and then you'd they'd post the waiting list and if there was changes of kids who moved away or went to private school or whatever, then you'd bump up on the waiting list, but it was all public and transparent. Then they evolved it into being a boy-girl gender balance thing where they'd they do a, a, a pull one out of each hat and post all that with a waiting list and then uh, it came to be a thing and then more SLCs were happening, so there was other choices, and then it was random assignments, uh, but the waiting list—you didn't get to know where you were on the waiting list. And then, and, and each year was also a different innovation of like, okay, this year it's the rock night in the theater. Eighth grade parents come. This is like you know February of the year before, before they come to Drake. And then we had a thing with the other SLCs, and each group rotates every half an hour, and we do a dog and pony show, mm-hmm. so they get to see their choices of Galileo and Mobius, et, et cetera. And then we did a thing where we all go to the gym and do a, a fair style where you're at a table and the parents rotate around to you. And then we did a thing where the principal talks in the gym with PowerPoint and then each representative comes up and gives a little five-minute spedick. And then finally over the years, we did nothing, where but the principal would just introduce it, all the choices, and then the kids would sign up. And then the last couple of years, they were doing a priority of what would you rather do, and you're guaranteed your first or second choice and then so every year they would slightly tweak it right to try and get it better yeah but it was always kids wouldn't get in and were disappointed but, right
0: what was the ratio of like applications to acceptance
1: well i never saw any of it i mean i was oh. always happy to be able to truthfully tell sad parents hey look right. i don't control that at all cuz that would have been horrible if right. i had to you know i was grateful that admin was the one that dealt with all that hmm. Because how could I not, you know, um, uh that's
0: that's gotta be tough. You know. uh,
1: but so I don't know the ratio. I think it I I think it was a mistake to not have that stay more of a public thing, but it was just I think practical for admin to just do their best with it. Mm -hmm. Um you know, once again it it gets to the kind of the rumors of what you heard versus what you actually know in terms of um and just anecdotally, people saying, hey, Calling me or emailing me what people I would know and stuff say, What should I do? I can't believe I didn't get in. Sometimes they would just not, they would give up and not be in rock and still be totally happy. Other times the rating list would shift and they would get in. Um, you know, rarely do they do trades during the year very much. But so, anyways, the circle up people identified the small learning community uh, equity or just. The, I don't know what what the title of the com- complaint was, or just that it's an issue, or whatever. Right. Um, and then we went through processes to figure out what is it about it, and we what was good about SLCs, like should we even still have them? Was kind of the the driving question, mm-hmm. and came back from the staff as a resounding yes. That's what makes Drake special, right? Is having mm-hmm. these communities where you feel like you're part of something, um, but that. Um, they weren't equitable. Um, there was also talk about not as many special ed kids were in um, Rock, okay. or which which was disappointing. And our answer to that was always then put more in, right? Well, that's how can you say that that's the fault of the um, of the program? Right. When re- when we don't have nothing like we were just talking about, we have nothing to do with the assignments, and we felt. We still we feel very strongly that we are able and have successfully taught every different kind of learner from from kids you know from blindness and hearing impaired to s- severe um, you know um, IEP students all mixed up because we, part of one of our driving uh, beliefs the you know pillars of the program is that a heterogeneous classroom is a, is a great benefit for all learners and that the high achieving driven students are better off being in a project group, learning from somebody who has learning disability or is really different than them or, um, socioeconomically, uh, or beliefs that, that learning how to function like that in a group and with your classmates and getting your work done together and then getting to point dividing even. Right. Right. Uh, it, is something that is, is cr- not just, um, you know, a good byproduct, but a critical thing for the structure of learning that you're in a heterogeneous classroom.
0: Hmm. Was, when um, they were talking about equity, was that equity for the students or equity for the faculty?
1: Yeah, good question. I think it was driven mostly by the idea of equity for the students, but I think it has been felt from equity for the, for the faculty. Um, okay because of, uh, once again, a lot of things that weren't always really just thrown on the... T- I think we could have saved years if people would have been more forthright with their grievances and if there was a space held for everybody to just be trusting and open. But but people, you know, just human beings working together didn't all trust each other and that kind of a lot of um, uh, ill ill feelings towards... Uh, peers i i suspect i didn't do it i feel honestly like because i uh, i'm you know try to get along with all the people i didn't feel ever any kind of um ill vibes mm-hmm. but i've heard of that and and there's a lot of that unspoken stuff but i honestly that's the best part of that is that really does feel behind and mm-hmm. people who didn't get along or know how to talk to each other et cetera, et etc seems to me like that is um Gonna be something good about this fresh thing is that people are really like that's it I'm so new start you know fresh beginnings or something, um, and so that was the decision process that led to the to it and then they formed a Drake Innovation Committee which was looking at how to um th- they spun around for for a semester on on ideas for structures and how to make a day go and doesn't have to be. Maybe uh, maybe it's um, 10th and 11th grade academies instead or three year academies or, um, you know, trying to really be bold about what could be there. And then their committee evolved into the Drake, the small learning community, community development committee on which I jumped to be part of the process of figuring out because the, the staff decided we do want to keep. Nine ten SLCs, right? And they and, and the innovation committee had these things about the tiers of alignment, kind of like here, this is soft. The whole school agrees to these things, right? About you know attendance or behavioral kind of general stuff. And then within all the SLCs, we should agree to these kind of things about um, still really g- generalized, but you know types of learning and skills to build and stuff. And then tight alignment within your SLC, like just in rock. How? What are our expectations going to be, right? And so, identifying these tiers of things is what that innovation committee did, and then pass the ball over to us on the SLC development committee, where we did the real rubber hitting the road. How are? How? Who's going to be on the teams? How do we decide to make the teams? And um, what are going to be these processes? As it went forward, it see I am. Um, was really put into the position of of being the one saying yes, they should have electives, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a committee of over twenty people, and only a couple of us were electives teachers. And I'm the only one who was who was uh, had been doing teaching electives within an SLC, so I felt like I had a special voice to be able to the only one saying. I would keep using language about like come over to taste the sacred nectar. Once you <laughs> once you try it, you'll never go back. Right. You know. Because the leverage of all the things like we were talking about with performances and art and everything and how that helps you learn your breast cancer song right. 15 years later is priceless, right. but no one else has tried it. Mm. They just know that it's extra work and you have to give up your conference period, mm-hmm. and they're right, mm-hmm. right? And right. it takes, I think, a full two years of doing the extra slog of of, of trying to meet and align with your with your colleagues in your SLC. And then in year three, you start to pay dividends of revisiting the similar project, having them totally bought into your culture, et cetera. Right. You know? And so that piece did not carry the day. And the staff made the big decision in October, no, I think it was later, November, December, must have been of last year, of 19, um, to go forward with this proposal from the committee I was on, but I was saying thumb sideways yeah. of this idea. I was holding my whole hanging by the thread of the word may, because in this proposal that this committee put forward with a lot of the, the kind of clean slate, fresh alignment, it said that the new the new SLCs may include elective integration. Hmm. And so that was the best I could do is just swimming hard to paddle water right. and, and keep the may include, right? Yeah, right. And so And so I pitched a whole letter to everybody and trying to loop people in saying, look, if we can't do it, let's have a position of somebody who's, I called it the disco because the Drake Integrated Studies Curriculum disc, like C-Disc, and all the SLCs has always been part of DISC. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, let's make it an organization mm-hmm. and have somebody be the hub, the liaison that can keep people um, the, spreading the cultural pieces and, um, and helping groups do their – like you're talking about design projects and try to integrate things and, and come up with their own identities and build culture to have um, these new SLCs be robust – And specifically to try and include electives in them. And I'm saying I'm willing to do it. I was part of my pitch. I'm like, somebody should do it. I'll willing to. Um, And I, and if I'm the one who does it, then I can offer like a module of improv theater or a poster making graphic design unit where I like I'm the floater between the different SLCs coming in and helping them however they want me to team building and stuff like that. And specifically if they're doing Shakespeare, I can come in and do a, you know, iambic pentameter, bit or, or whatever. Somehow that I'm the floating disco person, and mm. so that, believe it or not, that flew. And Liz <laughs> Seabury jumped at it, and she has scrambled and worked and got um, district approval to hire me next year for 60% of my job. So three fifths of my of my position is going to be as the disco coordinator.
0: So everybody gets a little taste of jazz, is what you're saying?
1: <laughs> That's the idea. And it's a daunting, daunting role. And I'm already working on it lots and going to be spending my summer, you know, trying to help out with the professional development of the new teams and and figure out how to share curriculum, et cetera. And there's so much more to it. But basically, the decision part, of the, to finish the story of it, you know, in terms of the sat the, the the bitter part, because I am excited about a lot of the new stuff looking forward. But in terms of the the the, the end of rock part, that was really really hard pill to swallow. Was that at that big staff meeting, there were double digit number of people with their thumbs down. And the way Drake consensus has always been done in my 20 years of working there, when there's a school wide staff decision, I mean there are some things well like this one or in almost everything that the principal technically has the authority to just do right mm-hmm. but there's a there's a um, practice of of how we've always made decisions and to all the principals credits that's been how they wanted to do it right so this because having your staff have buy in is way better than just right mm-hmm. saying here's the trains are going to run on time but Mussolini was still bad right <laughs> um, and so the way we've always done it is you have thumb we do a process a proposal etc subcommittee comes and you you show either thumbs up thumbs meaning you're you 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 support it thumbs down meaning you're you're opposed and you'll explain what you need to get through your, to to get your thumb not down you know like kind of counter proposal mm-hmm. or thumb sideways which means you're not you may not love it but you're not going to block you're and so this time at the Big decision of the new new structure that, you know, ended Rock and Da Vinci and the Learning Collaborative, technically, in order to launch these new three by three SLCs, uh, but retaining that that the the fundamental thing that all Drake freshmen and sophomores will be in an SLC, mm-hmm. uh, and and these people, I was thumb sideways honestly because right. I didn't want to block. I was on the committee and I felt like the chance of the may include electives was my, my <laughs> glimmer of hope that it could still exist. But I was ready to, you know, if I needed to be an art and drama teacher exclusively, you know, that's how life goes. But I, I was thumb sideways. But the, the, the 10 people or so who spoke against were so eloquent, and, um, and it was so quiet, you could hear a pin drop, totally respectful, just like the process is meant to be and a whole myriad different range of reasons why they were opposed to the proposal. And then Liz said, thank you everyone for those wise words and we're going ahead with the proposal anyways. Oh, it was the last thing before Christmas, I think. That's when it was, it was some end like right before a break. I can, can I clarify
0: Maybe. something real quick?
1: Maybe Thanksgiving, yeah.
0: So the 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 people that spoke with the thumbs down was that were were they saying that they wanted to keep what was the status quo? Essentially, keeping rock and all those things intact. Is that what you, what you were? Expecting?
1: Essentially, yeah. Okay. I mean, they might have. They they all said different things, right? But yeah, they were saying no to the proposal, which did was ending ending the current SLCs and relaunching, right? Gotcha. So they were saying no to that.
0: So there was some um, serious like.
1: And so traditionally, traditionally, that would have been an, an, an that proposal would have gone back to the. In fact, on the slide it said, then it'll go back to the committee to, to work on the, the suggestions and do a new proposal. But I think because Liz knew the writing on the wall that this had to happen, hmm. right, for her to feel... I don't know why I say that. Uh, um, why did she have to do it? I don't know. It, it was... but for whatever reason she did and whether that's the district or the complaints from eighth grade parents or did um, just desire for the clean slate. I, I don't know, but and I think the timeline is what, is that what it is right for next year. Yeah. That's, that's what I think what she would say. Well, that's the true thing of it is that it, it was now November or December and, the eighth grade thing starts up already, usually Mm -hmm. by October, November. And in January, they're actually registering for next year, you know? And so she, if we went, if if she had sent it back to the drawing board, who knows what would have happened? And and then what are you getting, right? I guess you could pause for a year. You you know, they could have paused for a year Mm -hmm. and, you know, let um, Griffo and Miss K. Because he's announced that he's retiring next year. Oh wow! Mary's retiring this year. Okay. Um, but she only she she only decided that once it was clear once it was ending. You know, she was like, okay, then. I um, mean, Griffo's got one more year, so I guess they could have delayed one more year. But there was just such a groundswell from the young teachers, these really motivated, wonderful teachers who want to be part of it and are trying to um, get into all this alignment stuff. I, I reckon. I suspect that energy would have really been hard um, to keep back. I, I, the, the, the energy that did this whole thing of like the top priority of it is SLC reform. And then the innovation committee, here's a bunch of ideas. And then the development committee, here's the way we can do it and do this big proposal. So there's all that people involved in wanting to do this this something. And right. so I think it must have been just too much to imagine – waiting one more year I don't know I I don't it's been a while now so I don't really think my head's not in that space right Right. now about what if you know because what's the point
0: so there weren't any other uh like external uh forces at play that made it have to be this year other than you guys had like a kind of a strong current of you there hope yeah I'm here can you hear me did I cut out Yes?
1: your brother yeah st- i heard i can you st- hear st- you st- okay the whole time you can
0: yeah 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 okay. you're good so, I should- so
1: anyhow that that sort of gets us up to where we are now with the current situation um i don't know you want to check in about that before we get into the forward looking thing or are we am i going on too much and too long or are we on no track we got or? as
0: we got as much time uh as you want to as you want to go i'm i'm i got the whole afternoon so we can go as long as we want right. um the uh yeah i was just curious like with regards to um you know the the other teachers uh with you know you said that that uh, griffo is going to be retiring at the end of next year miss K is out this year and you know for for you with your your schedule 60% of it is this new position but uh does that mean that, that the rest of your time is going to be just teaching art electives or?
1: No, that's the other, the part that's more current about it. That's, that's, is I'm sad about is the, the staffing piece around um, the drama because it's amazing and it's exciting that I get to be my two other classes. So my 40% is teaching one section of beginning intermediate drama and one section of advanced drama. Mm. which is mm. something I've never taught in my 20 years. I never have taught advanced drama. Um, and so th- that's the the exciting part of it. But it's the bummer part of it is that my great friend Peter Parrish, who preceded me in rock, he retired to go be a fool for hire puppeteer clown revolutionary in, the, in 99. And then I applied for his job on his advice and, and have been, teaching there ever since but then he came back out of retirement came back to drake and taught in comic and then went to san andreas and revamped their whole art program and then taught at redwood drama department running their redwood tv and their stagecraft classes and drama classes um at redwood for like six or seven years and then he just came back to drake last year which is we've been looking for uh, looking forward to for a long time because our third dear friend in the Drake Drama Department David G Smith who you know yeah. he retired last yeah. year so this is his oh, first wow. year of retirement
0: yeah.
1: um and i got i worked to get the the um a plaque put above room 705 his classroom for 27 years so it's i got it changed officially by the district to the David G Smith Studio Theater I'm very nice. proud to announce um and Peter came over we got um a grant to refurbish that room and get it all tricked out um, to become a studio theater space, and Peter was leading that this year. So he came over, took took David's position who retired it, Drake Drama, and then in Comic was their video guy, and then um, he and I, you know, would meet and plan the the new two, Drake Drama version two and and have a big growth trajectory for that over the course of the next. You know, 10 years of my, the rest of my career or whatever. And so now, because apparently of sophomores signing up for the new revamped chemistry curriculum, which is just crushing to me, that students in this anxiety ridden county that we live in are, who are, who are choosing to take another elective as sophomores and taking an extra science class. Wow instead of fine arts, is to me just the most um, depressing and uh, wretched, (laughs) unfortunate, (laughs) loathsome, pitiable, and um, really, really disappointing uh, decision because really what these kids need is to be in a drama class, to be in an art class, and getting their brains, um, you know, turned on instead of just grinding on hard classes i mean kids who love um english should take ap english or, or science if they're going to be a doctor go take an extra science of course yeah but it should be because you're fired up about it totally. for the general student not because of some weird perceived pressure from a, some obscure abstract college it's going to be more impressed that you took an extra science yeah, that's class. That's what I was.
0: That's what I was going to ask you. Is that that's because of some perceived like competitiveness that they would have at applying to a university down the road?
1: Yeah, it's a total abstract bullshit thing that. that... The parents will say well we think it's from the kid intrinsically and the colleges the kids will say well i think it's from my parents and the colleges and the colleges uh, will say oh no we like to have a very di- different kind of learners and we look forward to diff- you know we we want somebody who has an interesting story and a broad range of knowledge in lots of classes and then the fourth the fourth um stakeholder are, is the counselors whom honestly i kind of that's who i Sort of blame the most, even though I love our counselors and I know they 're doing great work, I, I think everybody who comes through their office they should be pointing towards taking more art classes instead of looking at the UCA through G requirements yet again, right you know because that 's what 's going to improve the wellness of the kids totally. is if they get persuaded and encouraged. By their teacher, by their counselors and parents and friends, like, right? right, like get a culture of mm-hmm. it to take more of those. So, anyhow, the upshot is there aren't enough drama signups, and so Peter is going to take three English classes as one of the um SLCs that are launching,
0: okay,
1: and I'm taking the two drama classes. I guess, I guess she put that technically because I'm more seniority. I don't know, mm-hmm. we never talked about that, but I presume that's. Oh cuz I don't have three classes available either right I have
0: Yeah well so- I I remember having Peter for as a guest director during uh during one of our rock drama modules and it was really great you know I've I grew up of course watching him perform with you sometimes and in, in various contexts but you know one of the things that comes up for me and you know this has kind of been on my mind for the last 20 minutes as you're talking is just this fundamental classification of the arts and drama as an elective in itself like when i was in rock and going through the rock program i never thought of your class as you know as being anything less than the others or or like in some way an addendum or a vestigial thing or you know to me like it was just you know it was the same you know, weight as going to the English class or the science class or, or history. And I think one of the, the major potential losses here is that for the, for the, the introverted kid who has never had any desire to take a, take the stage to perform, who would never sign up for a drama class, uh, the loss of being pushed a little bit, um, by, by the need to experiment with this because it is part of the curriculum, because it is woven into these projects and to uh, these aspects that are affecting, essentially, your your grade and, and your other courses as well. You're, you're losing it. There's this major opportunity cost because I, 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 firsthand, going through, you know, I was a very, you know, I was probably one of the more outgoing kids and it was easy for me to be on stage, but I, would, I witnessed more times than I can count you know, being in these project groups and having a kid who had never been in the spotlight spot. have this have cathartic this. moment where I'm suddenly, you know, you know, whether by trial and error or the alignment of of chance, uh, they just crush it in a role or in a moment where they're in a public speaking thing where they're so nervous but they say the right thing at the right moment, and every and the crowd erupts. And I saw time and again you know, kind of very, you know, people that wouldn't necessarily choose that given the conscious decision to, to be in that context suddenly get an experience that that a lot of times would change, you know, major parts of their personality or their life, make, make certain things, uh, give them certain experience bases that I'm sure continue to benefit them to this day, you know?
1: Yeah, doing doing a, the drama year for kids who signed up for rock despite drama I think really is a big um, benefit to them, their confidence and public speaking. But I think Griffo's the news assignment that every single day he has two kids come up there and have who prepared. And I don't know if you remember, but kids hold that as the most important, high stakes assignment they do. This little five minute current events report, basically Mm where then, um, in his, just in his social studies class every single day. And then they cycle through the roster, two kids, two kids all the way around. Um, I think that, that, that piece, I mean, the drama year is huge because we do it on stage all the time, just playing circle games and stuff, but it's, both of them are about the normalization of public speaking right. of making it so that, so they, per, they perceive the Griffo news as a big deal, but they're also used to it because they're watching each other do it all the time. And, and they, um, Get the idea that it's just—that's what you do. You stand up and talk. You don't worry about how you sound and look all the time.
0: How new uh, is that? Because I don't remember that when I was in the program. We never did that. D- I don't
1: think Griffo didn't do the news, huh? Maybe no. he started it. What, what? What were you? What year you? I was
0: O2 through O four.
1: Uh, uh, so you're you're O G, yeah. Yeah, I'm O G, um, baby. Um, I think he might have started that a little bit after you. But that's a huge one, having the the news, right? And it's true that when you're kids who are signed up for drama class, you're not getting those students who are who are in rock or, or because of some other reasons that they wanted to do it. I think that's a powerful, powerful tool. But the upshot is more kids need to sign up for drama because Peter and I are still going to grow it. And so we just need to have a year of of getting people fired up about it, doing the extracurricular play and... Totally. Um, banging the drum to demand the happiness and family feeling connection that you have when you join a drama department, you know,
0: really true. Not to mention just, you know, I know often in, in, there is this kind of public perception, um, that the arts and that, that drama can be, you know, even just in the word, you know, as, as a, an elective, the fact that it, that this is somehow, uh, you know, a frivolous pursuit or an option, an optional thing, uh, you, when you, I mean, love it or hate it. You ask a lot, a lot of kids these days, what they want to do and how many of them are like, I want to be a content creator. I want to make Instagram videos. I want to, uh, you know, you see a lot of kids that want to be deeply creative as their profession. And I know personally, you know, I'm already in my thirties. I'm probably considered pretty old by that standard, but I'm constantly, as I continue to, you know, even this podcast as a function of it, you know, as I continue to take those, those risks at putting myself out there and, uh, and working on my own creative process. Um, I've drawn on those skills time and again, you know, to, to be able to take the chance like I'm you know to to put a goofy video out to video out to my friends I think it's a deeply relevant skill set for looking at this this changing marketplace and, and and the fact that for that content creation is here to stay and it's a legitimate career choice um and something that that really could be something for a lot of these kids if they do have the the desire to to try for that um
1: you know Absolutely, be- absolutely. And, um, and many would say that that's what they're interested in doing, and yet I think and this is a kind of a good transition into the the, the big final piece about current education stuff um, around technology because those same content creator aspirants that you're talking about uh, are, are are getting the skill set around um, the criticism of seeing it on on, on screens and the technological, um, skill set of, of, of posting and editing and all of that. But that doesn't speak to the skill set of, of being a creator and a creative person and someone who plays well with others. And I think like your, your, you know, sort of loquacious debating skills (laughs) about some, about arcane Greek myth theory or, (laughs) or something weird I would argue are are way more um, valuable as a content creator than being good at 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 knowing how to navigate Instagram or Photoshop or whatever. You know, it's about that. It's about the spirit part um, and being able to and the speaking part. I think the technical aspect of standing in front of a group and being heard and Mm -hmm. seen without melting down uh, and getting all self-absorbed about how you look and sound is deeply missing from many, many of our kids who are growing up on screens now. And also just what the doctor ordered for their mental health. You know, mm. it's, it's not a coincidence to me that you can track the first um, iPhones in 2007 in a direct line of anxiety disorders and suicides and whatever, that's not a coincidence, right? It's not that the phone causes those things, right. but the skills and mental gymnastics and interests and stimulation that, that, that everybody is experiencing more and more just on a small screen, um, I think is, um, ameliorated, almost counter, almost solved or healed. If you are up in a big theater out in the mountain theater on the top of Mount Tam fill it speaking verse to the back row, you know, Right. that's gonna make you a balanced person instead of getting all spun out on you know um depression and whatever
0: yeah you get that you get into that performance flow state that is uh when you're on stage and when you're delivering lines or or uh improving like you don't have any time to 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 stress on the past or the future. you're right there in the moment, and I think that in a society where so much of our communication these days is mediated communication. We're speaking through a text box or a, a screen of, uh, of sorts uh, being having to make those real time observations and choices, you know, in this interactive context, both with your fellow performers as well as the audience members themselves, you know, being able to read a crowd, being able to, to channel the energetic presence of, of all the souls that you're, co-inhabiting the space with, that's such a valuable set of skills, not just for happiness and satisfaction, for survival, for being able to stay safe in a potentially dangerous, dangerous social environment. I think like the list of benefits just goes on and on.
1: Yeah. And the only way to get good at them is if you do them badly a bunch of times, that's the (laughs) missing piece. It almost goes right to the point about Instagram of, images that we all post of our best looking thing right right. here's the final (laughs) shot of the meal right with the cherry on top and the sunset and it and it makes it, it you know makes it seem like that's perfection and and everybody is perfect whereas really it's the messy wrong times you did the recipe and it came out horribly and you missed the sunset that our um if you're practicing the, you know, getting to the sunset on time and how to cook the meal, then doing it wrong a bunch of times, that's that's the where the action is. That's where you're learning and doing it. You, totally. ca- you can't expect to do some perfect thing. So by normalizing public speaking and whatever other contenty thing skill, um, and doing it and practicing it, right? Mm-hmm. What oh, shocker! Turns out if you do stuff with low stakes a bunch of times, you're going to get much better at it.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. And really, and really to speak to the um, I love what you said about the doing things wrong. I mean, that's I'm on this three year trajectory so far of developing my like the the digital the tool set. You know, you were saying how, you know, my loquo- loquacious ability to debate Greek stories. Uh, I know I have, you know, for, throughout my 20s, I knew I had this kind of bottled up uh source of of stuff that I wanted to express to the world but i didn't i hadn't quite honed my technical prowess uh in 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 being able to utilize these different vectors to get you know to to get my stuff out and so for the last three years i've been learning like how do i edit videos how do i uh work photoshop how do i how do i get to a level of technical proficiency so that i can get out of my way and be creative and and share it with people and so much of that has been the trial and error of like making something that is mediocre or something that's not quite quite what i want and and getting really good at bouncing back from those small defeats Um, because that's such any creative will tell you you know so much of it is uh that you know coming to grips with the inherent dissatisfaction of of reaching for reaching beyond like, you know, where you're at in this moment. And, um, and I think that, you know, for me, a big, a big thing that's always comes back to mind are the just, you know, the 10 comedy commandments that I think you, you handed out, you know, I think I had seen them probably at some summer camp growing up, but, uh, but you know, in rock, certainly, you know, I, I, uh, That's something that to this day is still part of my mental lexicon when I'm, you know, when I'm struggling creatively to try to seize on.
1: Yeah. Right. You just don't deny, justify, um, say yes, just say yes, steer clear of the pee pee jokes.
0: Right. Right. And, you know, for those, you know, they're, they're fun and they're goofy and they're silly, but like. I think it speaks to the point you were making earlier that like for a lot of us who have been through these creative programs, like you don't know what pieces of useful information are going to get tagged with the emotional effects of, of experiencing things in a dramatic way. And, you know, I certainly experienced this in higher education too. You know, I can tell you that certain lectures I got from professors that were more, funny, more engaging, more you know, dramatic. Uh, that really allowed my brain to store that data in a way that, that with with other kind of drier, more rote method approaches, I just, I couldn't tell you what a whole semester was spent doing, you know?
1: Yeah, I sure do because most of my teaching has to do with that interactive dynamism between my jokes and moving around the room and Um, kids' responses and little sidebars here and there, you know? Like, I I didn't ever even realize it as much until this whole Zoom era because (laughs) I just feel like a crazy man talking to a computer because they're all (laughs) muted,
0: right? right?
1: And there may be, like, if I get one kid smiles, I'm like, okay, I know (laughs) it's happening because otherwise they're just, like, just dead stares at the screen, and I'm trying to do my shtick and whatever, but it just just, – you know:
0: yeah, how do you manage how, how has that been to manage uh, the the
1: remote provide learning? or inspiring that kind of learning like you're talking about when it's something that's really working? And so I just am looking at this next year and the fact that education is looking very, very strongly to be hybrid of some kind, right? In mm-hmm. terms of the COVID situation, mm-hmm. it's like not going to be back to normal as usual. And it's not going to be all remote. It's going to be something in between. And so that's why my time, right, these weeks, I am the thing I'm thinking most about, I would say, is this space that I'm in where we are reinventing Drake's small learning community everything, but with a lot of the same teachers and the same goals of being a small learning community school, project based mixed age all the the basic ingredients of of what rock has was mm-hmm. is for four more weeks in the midst of the whole paradigm of education being rebooted from the ground up mandatorily right 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 and so it's this you know not serendipity but synchronicity is the, the way I kind of think about it. And I see myself like the old um, Greek or Roman God, Janus, which one was he? The guy with two faces looking forward and backward, you know, Oh. Uh, for the January. Yeah.
0: There's, I don't, years. I probably know it by the Greek name. But it sounds like the Roman name that you just get
1: Because. Not because I feel like a deity per se, but <laughs> that. looking back of what we had and all this sweat equity of the rock and all the other SLCs teachers building culture and stuff. And at the same time, looking forward at the opportunity and, and to the backwards one, I, I have a little bit of, of bitter feelings in my heart. Right. Yeah. But looking forward, it's only sweet blossoms because I see this wide open opportunity, which is even more wide open and desperate, for bold ideas because of the fact that school doesn't work anymore. Right? Mm. <laughs> I mean this is their backup plan and it's um, it's not inspiring. Even if you're doing it really well, which I by the way, spoiler alert, it turns out the main way to make Google Meet or Zoom calls or Skype branding the platform we're on now, uh, or Ring Central, the only way is in smaller groups. That's what it's about. If you get down to a group of four or five, you can have legit meetings. But in these classroom-sized groupings, it's just a, a sad approximation of a, of a bad lecture. Um, and so this is the time for all these fired-up young teachers who, who wanted a new system for the sake of everybody being even for equity... And not just old and not just, for the, and not just young and not just for those reasons, but everybody, all of us, to put out there, we got to dust off our 24-year-old pedagogical theory manifestos and visionary hopes and dreams for imagining what it'll be like when you get to be a teacher and you, how lessons are going to go. And, you know, it, we need to dust those off and, and put them on the table and come up with the most bold, interesting utopian sure I'll say it hmm. everybody's scared of that word yeah. uh, structures as we can in order to um, put the kid put the student in the very center of it right what are they experiencing they're experiencing a global pandemic the only time in any of our lives right and they're 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 students in schools and the grown-ups always know the answers and now we don't and so they're going to be experiencing this in, in ways where it's, um, it's exciting. It might not be fun because of the whole TV screen time. And so one, one of my ideas, and I, I'm, I, you know, I'm going to be doing every which way trying to support everyone else's big ideas, but the thing that the last week has been stuck in my craw is the idea of instead of doing the hybrid schooling as being half and half because you need to get the class sizes down, right? And so having half the kids at school, while half the kids are at home on, on a video conference version of school, alternating, flipping and flopping. Besides that model that sounds to me so far like the only thing that's really in play, even though, of course, there's been no decisions made, etc, I like the idea of adding a third to the flipping and the flopping, which is school day, home day, third thing, off-site meeting. So you ha- you go have your algebra class at Red Hill Park, mm. or Robes and Hair, or maybe you're on- your campus is big enough where you're like way out there, and um, the real teacher is there, and it counts for school. Maybe there's another you know I- the math of the week. Who knows? Maybe there's a there's a nothing day. Or there's a you know how the whole flipping of flipping works. But if you make it into thirds instead of halves you can get the class sizes smaller, much easier is my thinking. And it makes me wonder, worry. My, my worry about it is about the lawyers and how school districts are so beholden and petrified about what the lawyers are going to say, um, demonstrated by how onerous it is to do a field trip. Right. You talk about those college classes or high school, like the few that you remember, you know, how, how hard it is to remember what you did any given day and. a, Dave's in class, but you remember the field trips.
0: Think oh, about yeah. that.
1: You remember the field trip. And so the evidence is huge that offsite learning is very strong with the teacher there, with a the plan, whatever you're experiencing. But invariably, the, there's always really bad restrictions based on lawyer permission slip waivers and, and discouraging um, field trips across the board. Right. Um, but I want this new if, – if, if, if this notion of thirds can work out, it's not a field trip. we got to tell the lawyers, hey, lawyers, you're going to take a step back and sit down right now. We're going to tell you what we're going to do. You write the law- le- legal part to make it make sense. Right. You know? And guess what? You'll be able to because we can rent the, the parks from, the, from the, the recreational district of the towns, et cetera. They can do it because what's – we send kids to Red Hill every day with no supervision every single day at lunch, they just walk off campus, across right. the road, right? And yet, to take a walking field trip with your own teacher, you have to do permission slips and get them all formed and show insurance, health insurance, and get it back 10 days before the trip, really, with the actual teacher with you. So I think reform in that off-campus, the ease of doing off-campus stuff will go a long way to allowing us to do really exciting stuff that isn't just in the classroom, or at home and that's way safer too right it's easier to spread out it means you're not sharing the thing and the other model i'll throw out there just since i'm riffing yeah the third thing one and the other one is keeping your same teacher for a week so let's say even in these slcs this is yeah this is she just nodded at me this is mia's idea okay mia tears yeah, yeah based it on the kind of shout out mia where you're really going to do the morning for something and i'm saying we, we, we could adapt that kind of thing Right, she said four weeks. But I'm thinking even for one week would be baby steps and way better on COVID contact tracing, right? If you have a week with, I mean, you still have your other teachers too, but let's say just in your SLC, where you have just your English, because there's three classes and three teachers. So you have a whole week where this class, you have your social studies teacher all week. Next week, you'll have your English teacher all week. Next week, you'll have your science teacher all week. And then those teachers are doing the other two groups with that, right? Mm -hmm. And that way, it has the cool safety appeal. And what an interesting challenge for a teacher! I have none of us have ever done that. We've never designed a, la, a, a class where you're getting the same group of twenty five kids, and you'll have them for four hours in, in the course of the week. What, what Anyhow, would that time so be, be like that used in for. trying to like push? Because I, I want to get to this is my I think my final main point. I was hoping to yeah. hit on sure is my hope with all the visionary teacher idea. Um, encouragement, is I want teachers to get out in front of this and be making proposals to the district and the county and the state and the feds so that the the powers that be can be the ones back on their heels having to say yes or no to us instead of the way it always is, which is the teachers waiting for proposals and rulings and policies from the district, and then we're the ones reacting. Oh, well, what's wrong? Here's why that won't work, or isn't this a problem? Right? And, and and trying to kind of punch holes in the proposal of of leadership. But I think what made this district originally great over the course of doing the integrated studies curriculum, Disk at Drake, all of them, and the sophomore writing portfolio that used to exist, which was which was designed from teachers, is that all the cool reforms and neat structures have been done by a group of teachers proposing ideas and saying, hey, here's a cool thing we want to do. And then it allows um, admin like Liz Seabury to say yes, right? right? That's, by the way, I think her best trait as a, as a principal is her willingness to try piloting ideas and saying, yeah, that's a cool, weird structure. Let's go for it. And that's a unique opportunity we have to be part of these 25 teachers who are t- launching eight new SLCs and we have a principal who's ready to say yes to, to bold ideas, you know, what yeah. better time?
0: Yeah, there is no better time.
1: No, time. I mean, and thr-
0: you're, you're speaking to this.
1: Put children t- at the oh. center of our plan and, in, and develop engaging projects, cross-curricular ideas, sharing, sharing, outcomes and um, student communication to make sure nobody's falling through the cracks. This is it. So I, that, I'm going to be spending all my time um, trying to push this kind of thinking. Although what my day is going to look like and which classes I go into and stuff during my 60% is still a contotal, a contotal hmm. uh, question mark that is going to be um, evolving in the course of the year. Cause This is an experimental job, this disco position.
0: Disco. Yeah. I mean, it it sounds like there's really an opportunity here for, yeah, maybe a little more uh, pushing and work on the side of the teachers on the front end of this thing. But with that effort and you, I mean, it sounds like you guys could really have, you know, what, what whatever you want and what a lot of these teachers I think have been hungering for, which is, uh, a, a new paradigm, you know, uh, of education and learning. And I, I, they're lucky to have, you know, someone with this vision like yourself that, you know, hopefully you guys will be able to, you know, there's all these, like, you know, one of the things that's really struck me as, as I've continued to educate myself in my, you know, young adulthood and, whatever age my thirties is considered. Uh, but just this idea that like, so often it seems like these traditional education models are fighting our own, what we, what we've come to learn about our own psychology and that like, so often this, this like kind of slogging, uh, you know, uh, what's the word greatest one size fits all greatest common denominator model can really do like trauma to people's ability to, to, to feel engaged by subject matter, to do their own education, not just in the formal setting, but in the informal setting. I think for a lot of us, you know, who have been through the classical education system, you know, even though we have had great experiences and great teachers, there is an amount of like uh, connotation with like learning as work or somehow that like, learning stuff that's hard is drudgery and, and, and it, 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 you know, there, there aren't that many, there aren't always that many opportunities to like really, uh, you know, feel empowered to make your own educational decisions and get the support that you need. If there's something you're super excited about that you want to learn about, um, you know, is, are you going to have to sacrifice that to to learn about Christopher Columbus? You know,
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I I mean it sounds it, it, the truth is the rubber hits the road and just trying to get through and 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 work day on the daily basis things get in the way, right? Like just dealing with the daily quotidian responsibilities mm-hmm. of working with kids and and colleagues right. means that my kind of pie in the sky visionary um p- um hyperbole is um I, knowingly i think over the line of what what's really going to be possible so i don't think it or, or not possible but um manifested by everybody when they're just trying to also get get their job done and right, and show right. up and do okay right it's mm-hmm. a it's a but that but i think nobody would would say the drudgery thing everybody's really I think every teacher is looking for, you know, not you know, every, but all the teachers I'm talking about are all motivated to do cool stuff, and I think that's what I'm excited about is how how can how can we I help them feel empowered to try the cool stuff and not feel stuck in on their back feet, um, you know, trying to not mess up or whatever, totally. or make a mistake totally. or and. Um,
0: are you and easier said than you, done?
1: Right. Right. Because there's so many issues around it and of, of of how to work together and whether that's and you can't require it. So when is it worth it? And because they're also trying to match up now, each SLC has a partner. Like a platoon SLC that is affiliated with you. So each English, social studies and science teacher has one right next to you. The nomenclature that I've, that I've put out there, by the way, that we're just holding for now so we can be talking to different groups is P-I-R-A-T-E-S exclamation point. Those are the, the eight groups. And so when we talk about branding in the early phase of working with the kids, I hope that my role will be involved in helping the kids come up with what are the names, you know, mm-hmm. um, because ultimately, you know, I'm, I'm trying to thread the needle help everybody thread the same needle. <laughs> it's even harder. Right. Of coming up with a new unique culture, right? If you're SLCA for PIRATES exclamation point. If you're if, if you're SLCA, then you want to come up with your own cool cultural things and inside jokes and birthday songs and um classroom expectations, etc.
0: Yeah.
1: Right? While at the same time helping you align with this whole 25 teacher SLC with just your um, department mates and especially with the one other paired um, SLC, other teacher. So how do you align and get agreements across the board while at the same time trying intentionally to, to, to strike out and make your own brand and identity that that's a really hard thing to do right the way the way rock and da vinci did it was because we had a built-in elective that gave a a definition of it you know
0: right yeah and
1: so you got to have it be some of these um it's going to take time to figure out that gets back to the equity question is starting all fresh means it's exciting and brand new but it means a lot of the benefits there it's going to be rocky right it's going to be a rough year yeah, with complicated ups and downs and everybody needs to be so patient with themselves and each other and that it's that things are going to flop and, and I'm going to flop hmm? with my attempts to try and get in there with every group. And you know, how much do they use me or not use me? I was thinking about the thirds idea still, even in so much as with the three SLCs, if there's thirds, then you could do that could be your, your three rotations, but that maybe the other thirds, not just holding class outside, but doing community service, right, is another vestigial piece of rock is you do 70 hours of serve over two years. Right. And so maybe instead of just letting that just get jettisoned and gone forever, um, as far as getting the actual class credit on your transcript like rock did, um, maybe we build it, we keep it. Right. And one of the third days of school is you meet and you pull scotch broom uh, on the foothills of Mount Tam, what about that idea? Sounds great. Let's unleash the 1,300 kids of Drake into an a, a intentional community service one day a week with social distancing where they're all out in the meadow pulling scotch broom. It's the only example I can think of. That's why I'm going to go back to it more, but whatever one. Or they're all separated into internships, right? You could design some amazing things that had to do with community things where you're not just coming to school. Or what if one day a week, you met in your region instead of with your class. I think Ooh. in terms of the disease, having thirteen hundred people come to Drake every day, by definition, even if it's only half that many, they're still all assembling. Right. What if instead, everybody from the valley meets at, at the um, Roy's Redwoods, everybody right. or, or or a few places, right? Everybody from um, the Fairfax Hills meets at One Perry Park. Everybody from Butterfield Road, you know what I mean? Yeah. You, you, you do a, a class day and there's still a roster, regional roster. There's still a lesson plan. Those two or three teachers or whatever are going to do some cool thing outdoors with you. It's about your emotional health, not their content. Or ooh, there, it's about your emotional health vis-a-vis their content. So the chemistry people are going to do some cool movement lesson about brain chemistry and and wellness, you know, pituitary gland whatever. Yeah. The right? Can you imagine I love how that. the 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 science teachers you're going to meet them over behind the goddamn um Safeway and watch how the aqueducts, you know, learn <laughs> some, I mean not aqueducts but the HVAC thing works, you know, or right. you do some sciencey stuff in the field? Oh, yeah. Re- regional classes would be but that's like the i immediately just assume that there's no way a school could handle that the computer wouldn't understand the class assignments or the curriculum from the college you know but then you're not in your algebra class right now cuz you're in your regional
0: yeah but, but how, how but much uh, how much you know carte blanche or how much is the district going to be empowering you to make decisions versus give suggestions to to this new uh setup
1: Neither. They're just scrambling to keep their own up, right? Like everybody. Yeah. We're all just doing our best. And that's why I say the thing about getting out ahead of it and making a proposal right. instead of waiting for them to come up with their bylaw policy that we have to fit inside of and say, oh, here's what's bad about it. But the answer is none, Hob. I'm not, this, I'm not really in a, the, the catbird seat of designing mm-hmm. new things, although I am, I am half composed with my letter to, um, to my principal, the superintendent of TAM District, the um, superintendent of schools, MCOE, Mary Jane Burke, and the public health officer, Matt Willis, all of whom I know. But I'm, I'm, I'm that's my – because I was thinking in terms of my job, they're kind of my my boss, my boss's boss, my boss's boss's boss, and my boss's 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 boss. <laughs> and so I feel like that's a good group I should write a letter to. Yeah. Uh, sort of just pitching this idea that we want – let's be – bold now and not assume what won't work because of the old ways. The, right. the fact that colleges cared about the A through G requirements to get into the UC system, that's like the Moses' tablets on the hill or something. <laughs> no, right? I mean, come on, A through G requirements. That's all the counselors care about. Yeah. And so maybe the UC system is, since they already are going to have to shit can all the grades that they've given for this semester, right? They've already said that. Yeah, that maybe it's time to to make even that even the eighth even the sacred texts of the A through G requirements. Maybe that even needs to take a sit down over there next to the lawyers.
0: Well, I just had a thought that maybe there's a way for you to strategically phrase, you know, to phrase your language uh, in a. And apologies if if people think I'm being somehow flippant or callous um, in in talking about this crisis. But I'm seeing this as an opportunity for you to phrase your proposal, you know, where the emphasis is on, like you said, safety and, you know, these 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 things that administrators can look at and put their stamp of approval on. And, you know, the kind of inferred, uh, you know, additional benefit is that they're fostering these creative programs, but you're doing it under this umbrella of like, this is going to be for safety's sake with the added benefit that, you know, you and I know that there's going to be fostering like these creative solutions to education. Maybe, maybe this crisis can be the, you know, the, the vehicle that carries, um, what we know to be true, what we just spent, you know, this chunk of time talking about, uh, that that we can get a, a new paradigm in that's justified from a safety standpoint, but also hap just so happens to allow for things like mental health days, uh, that can be not only, uh, not, not, not woo woo, but scientifically backed, you know, what are the things that we can be doing personally to reinforce our immune system? How can we learn about neurochemistry so that we can make, uh, really good decisions nutritionally. And, um, you know, there's so many hot topics right now that are, very relevant and current and that I think a lot of young people are aware of and interested in. So how do we capture that imagination, um, and, uh, and get the bean counters to sign off on it, you know? (laughs) Right.
1: I think that that's the, that's the point. And it's, you know, even if it in months in, in, you know, a year from now, we, we didn't feel like, we cracked it open and it's all, it's all ba- utopian still baby steps matter. Right. Just like in the sixties, I think the, the, the counterculture was expecting the whole straight capitalist system to crack open and the, and everybody to be back to the land, um, loving each other. Right. Mm-hmm. Pacifists. And because it didn't work out fully in their manifestation, I think that generation sort of gave up right. and was like, Okay, but oh well, didn't work. Um, You know, not totally, obviously. And similarly, I think any kind of change that happens is just much slower than we think it usually is, right? The year 2012 was the Mayan mystic end of the ages and everything and the harmonic convergence, and it wasn't like some sort of, oh, you know, cinematic um, miracle thing happening. Um, Doesn't mean to write it off, that it's not part of this cycle of change that is that is much more millennial uh timing than this sort of quick flip a switch american um idea of switching so fast right right um i really think it has to be what you're saying and it might not be as radical as we hope but that the idea is to drum up the hope my my philosophy is throwing idea spaghetti at the walls and and and, which ones resonate with other people? They'll they'll rise up and take along too, but I kind of see my role as trying to be someone who just keeps, even if it's a jokey manner or a serious proposal, just to kind of be stirring things up, right? Um, and in 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 a, in a um, positive way, and see what see what sticks.
0: Have because you,
1: have you? We need more. We need more utopian fiction. Hope. That's what is my is my diagnosis for our societal um, entertainment um, syndrome, which is all about escape uh, explosions, and fighting. And um, Robot it's just slavery. the biggest budget movies we watch right. and sell the most tickets are are, are all horrifying, yeah. right? Guns and and explosions and fighting um, and dystopia, right? Zombies and other types of dystopia are the most highly produced. Dramatically um, excellent um, fiction we see is is this dystopia stuff, and I think that what we're and that's because we're trying, I think, escape our gaze from a from a scary real world. Sure, but Mm -hmm. what I think we need is utopia, like still just as dramatic and well produced and cool and conflict happening amongst people, but set it in a world in 20 years in the future where we've turned the corner on climate change and people are getting healthier and there's like a peace on earth. What about that crazy world to to, to write fiction within, you know? Right. It would be so, it would be just as complicated and, and and compelling, but we just haven't experienced enough. There aren't novels, there's so few things yeah, we set gotta, in a way.
0: We got to revive Gene Roddenberry and, and, and the Star Trek post, you know, post-capitalist.
1: But, but, totally, totally, you
0: know, vibe i was gonna ask you uh have you you know personally do you have or do you have um any teachers that you're working with currently to to bring this about or to start like are are there members of the faculty that you think uh could be like I, i almost foresee like needing to put together some sort of grand council or cohort uh in which to, you know, to try to structure some of this stuff, you know, to come up so that you do have some sort of a critical mass when making a proposal.
1: Yeah, that's what I'm doing all the time. I'm I, the, the 25 teachers are already established in their separate teams. Okay. And I've been having small Zoom meetings with each one of them. And then Mondays, we meet as a big 25 person, I call it the whole disco, the, the organization. Uh, and mostly, though, it's trying to, like, figure out what how it's going to work structurally and who the teams are and what kind of agreements we're going to have as far as a summer assignment what's the beginning of the year going to look like yeah. uh, and really just kind of that that level stuff i'm i'm feeling like not a lot because there isn't a lot of time in meetings especially on on video meetings to 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 pontificate and mm-hmm. you know get into brainstorming right Right. It's more about getting questions answered and stuff like that, which really makes it hard, honestly. And I hope in the summer's professional development time, we're able to get some more. That's what I've been telling every group is make sure you have a lot, abundant amount of unagendized time together.
0: Right. That's great.
1: Where you're going to spend an hour of your of your day and you're going to just be hanging and chilling and telling stories about your classroom and getting to know each other like that. I love Is it. is Fresh, totally precious and not given time because we have so much to get done always. Right.
0: Yeah. And, and, and also, you know, just to remember, you know, your own words that you, that you gave me earlier of the, just that understanding in this next year or two that like you guys are going to do some things wrong. To, yep. to get it right and to, to, to reinforce it in the whole faculty that like, hey, we're all setting off on this grand adventure and we're going to make some mistakes along the way. And those mistakes are going to help us, you know, think about if, if when Rock first started trying to achieve the enormity of what you guys got done on the first year, you know, that would have been overwhelming. Right. It would have been torturous for it and it probably never would have crystallized in that way.
1: Yeah, and there's no way and and to take it on that way would be would be absurd and S- Sisyphean or crushing, right? Mm-hmm. But in this at the same time, and I think here's the other the other side of the same needle we need to thread eight times is how do we still leverage at least some of the equity from the um erstwhile SLCs? Right, the teachers who are who most of the of the twenty four teachers, I'd say eighteen or twenty of them were already in SLCs last year, right? Or no, maybe not that many, but more than half, you know. Um, And so they're going to be carrying their own thing, and then all of us are going to be carrying whatever way we hold ourselves in class. So, you know, the classroom expectations and stuff. So there's a lot of um, culture, you could call it baggage, you could call it hmm. or, um, or traditions, rituals. I think ritual is one of the most under, um, utilized and critical human things that schools are really bad at, right? Yeah, that's,
0: they're um, so important. Not to like mention the... you can
1: never get into the word sacred, right. even though that's just a human thing. It doesn't have to be some certain like religion or whatever, but, but, but just rituals, even the ones we have are precious, even though they're dumb, like graduation Mm -hmm. is a really asinine kind of wasteful, all the little details of it, the detail elements, you know, about Mm -hmm. balloons and caps and polyester gowns and um, the way that it cycles through and all that with the one name, but, but we love it. I love it because at least it's a ritual, right? It might not be a, a, a super beautiful one in terms of the way you want to spend your time listening to names, but it's some ritual and it's, we all share it and that's what makes it special, you know?
0: Totally. And
1: so I think for these SLCs, getting rituals going is going to be a hard thing to do just off the bat because it takes time and, and the organic things come up from the kids and, and and hopefully I can be there kind of batting between the SLCs, sharing you know fly on the wall or something
0: well i i yeah. think that well, you know
1: to be able to give every kid the ability to share experiences so they can have different teachers but be able to reflect on the same stuff totally you know, like the, or the summer assignment of reflecting on your time in covid and um your own identity or whatever it's going to be and then the assignments you do or things you you um do with it with your slc might be different but every freshman will be able to um, have said they were doing that same kind of thinking. Or I was thinking, if if I really do get to rotate around all the SLCs, maybe I can learn every freshman's name. <laughs> I don't know. That's like three fifty. Well,
0: one of the things I, I got to say, you
1: know, from my own experience, I get floating around not just with my own group. Are you? Can you hear me? The thing about what we bring over and whether. Um, you know, the, the whole fresh start thing uh, is Arun Roy, the Indian writer wrote, I, did, I, I don't know how big the whole essay was, but I just saw one little couple hundred word thing about it. And I talked, I've heard people talking about this, her idea about the portal and that this whole, she's speaking specifically about this in our pandemic right now. And just saying that, you know, what we carry over to the other side is up to us. Do we want to bring our deadly, smoky skies and polluted rivers and lifestyle, right? and our hatred and wars yeah. and um, and bring that out of this, or are we going to leave those behind and come out of this with with a, an opportunity to to create things afresh, you know? And so, uh, and Peter O said, He thinks it's Mother Nature telling us, go to your room. And come out of your room when you've thought about what you did, humanity, and are ready to come out. I love it. I really like that one. And even the extended metaphor of it, because it kind of begs the question, well, what about people who don't have rooms? Metaphorically, right? Right. Um, Even the margins, right? We're ignoring... The people who are in the rooms who have rooms to be reflecting on our behavior, right? The 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 middle and upper classes, those are the ones who need to be reflecting on the marginal people who don't have a room to go back to which to go back and reflect. Well Mother Nature's still telling it to all of us because we're the ones that need to hear it.
0: Hey Jazz, is this coming through? Can you hear me? Hello? Am I cutting in and out?
1: Yeah, a little bit, but uh, I can hear you.
0: Um, I think it's Yeah, it's weird. I think my microphone has been not always on for some reason. But anyways, um yeah, dude, that's all I think that's all super right on. I, you know, one of the things I wanted to say to speak to like your earlier point about ritual, you know, that to me so much of the success of this rock program uh was the the flavor of coming in knowing that there were traditions, looking forward to having sophomores, you know, speak romantically about these certain milestones, these certain traditions, you know, even in eighth grade hearing stories from older students. It really, by the time I was, I got to rock, I was so primed and ready to, you know, especially, you know, personally being like, of the Harry Potter generation, you know, like I was like the same age as Harry Potter was in the books and she wrote them every year. So I I'm in that unique population that actually got to like grow up alongside the story. And uh, for me, like that's, it was almost like you guys all kind of got what was so exciting about this idea of a Hogwarts and, you know, and there are a lot of those kind of thematic elements in, in that went into play. In, in at times it really felt like we were in these houses and we were, there wasn't an element of fantasy that I think is really important uh, as you develop these new educational programs. Like, I think that ritual point is, is super right on and giving, um, you know, I think empowering teachers to be thinking creatively in their own realms of like, hey, what's my funky flavor? You know, what,
1: right. what
0: what can I what can I create to showcase my unique vibes as a teacher and and how do we you know the, the students really respond I think you've probably experienced this but just how much students respond to that honesty of, of a of an adult like kind of being themselves in a creative manner you know like I think about Doc Wing playing his guitar in front of everybody and his, seeing his handshake and seeing him nervous, you know, this like confident scientist who's always speaking of these high mind order topics in cla- the classroom for me, seeing him perform and get shaky. Like he, he transcended just being my teacher and suddenly I could see him as like a friend or, I, you know, I was able to interface in, in a deeper way that made the scientific yeah, right. learning more approachable.
1: He, yeah, you know, Hobbit. I think I've told you before, but Doc always invokes you and Tony both in his examples. Like, we'll be t- in some random meeting with a with a family, or or talking about a student or something, and he'll invoke both you guys as the as the, as his favorite examples of kids who may not have been the most perfectly high grades about everything all the time. Yeah, like you didn't have all straight A's or whatever, <laughs> but the, you had the authentic. I mean, I don't know what you I think you got, you know, whatever good grades, but his, what he always said is that, but that their your, your intellectual curiosity about science was so authentic and real that it was by far the most f- way more important, you know?
0: <laughs> well, I'm glad and, that he has that memory of it. Cause a yeah. lot of times I would, uh, you know, one of my tactics in his class was, you know, if, if I didn't, if I wasn't really feeling the lecture, uh, I would like be like, hey, like,
1: drop just a super how big nugget.
0: is the moon? You know, <laughs> <Or Yeah>. like, <laughs> just drop a
1: huge science softball nugget. Yeah, you know, like, what? I always if... imagine. I was imagine Griffo would be the class that you guys would do that in.
0: Right. Well, I think Griffo. I I think something about uh, uh, just the way that the the, the personality differences with with Griffo, there was this. He has this like gravitas that, that I was right. I think I was a little more intimidated by um mm-hmm. whereas with would
1: with you say he'd probably call you on it if you tried to go do a a you side, side cross town bus or whatever
0: Yeah I'd say the most important thing I ever I got out of Griffo's class was um his unofficial policy of granting extensions on essays if you called them and so over the course yeah over sometimes like the night before but like you know i tried to do it it, earlier but just that process of like owning up to the fact that i needed more time and making a negotiation with you know this authority figure that has served me in my adult life professionally and interpersonally like to know And like, that's been such a valuable skill to, you know,
1: dude, I pushed that really, really from that Genesis of him doing that. Those days we all now, it's all about communicating it before the due date. If you email me or call me or whatever, and it's not yet due, you get the extension because you can do that in the real life. You can call and say, Hey, we can't have that meeting next week. I need, we need to reschedule. Right. But you can't walk into the meeting and say, Oh, I don't have this stuff. Right. Totally. you just have to do it before the actual day and then you're really learning about it. I'm glad you, you took that same lesson. Yeah. For sure.
0: I mean, just, and to understand that, like, you know, it's, it's so easy for us to construct these like archetypal Architable edifices ed- of what the other person is in our minds. And we start making them this into like a demonic character. And we, we forget that like there's a human on the other end, you know, and just like all humans like you can they can be negotiated with and that in in the real world when you get out of education like so much of life is about navigating people's idiosyncrasies and and your own and, right, and communicating exactly. that that shared experience
1: yeah it was fun I, having you guys was neat cuz i had known you s- growing up right and mm-hmm. but it, and and so i've had that interesting thing in the kids from the valley or from Camp Winter Rainbow, or from my family who would come and grow up. And then I'd be, oh, you'll come to come to Drake one day. And then literally I've got, gotten to see things in 20 years, right, from kids, every little baby's Cyrus M. And then, so I had Spencer and you and Tony. And then I, and so Spencer was my nephew. And then I had Teely. And then I had Cyrus, my own kid. And they'd be like, oh, it's not strange. And I'd be like, no, I did it with my niece and nephew already. Right. And now it's final year. I have Willow too. Okay. That's another part. Part of the whole st- picture is that I had the final, final year is her freshman year. So that, as a parent, that was a little bit of my just wishing for that one more year would have been really nice, you know.
0: Right. Right. To,
1: to have it be in natural clothes, but alack, alas.
0: So does Willow get to sit in the room for your Zoom, the classroom Zoom sessions?
1: No, she's on the other computer with her classroom, other rock class, of course. <laughs> cuz we have we have four zoom things going on in our household cuz we're all four in school, you know.
0: Wow.
1: Mia made a cool blackboard in, in the living room here, so she does like an actual chalkboard situation for her 6th grade Waldorf class. Okay. Willow is doing 7 Drake classes. Wow. Cyrus is doing well he's done. Today was the last day of finals.
0: Okay.
1: Um this morning he, he turned in his poetry portfolio in Oberlin College in
0: nice. Cleveland
1: and no, I mean from bed.
0: <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Has he, he picked a major yet?
1: Uh, environmental studies, um, but he just does plays every semester. So it seems like he's going to have some sort of drama thing. Cause, and he's t- he, his, best, his class he seems most into this semester was um, Coding first time he's on a computer coding class interesting and then i'm doing my drake classes too so we're all zoom education world here
0: yeah sounds like a lot of bandwidth coming in and out
1: <laughs> oh it's a nightmare our our, our wi-fi's
0: right so uh huh. if, if you could set you know one one intention you know for yourself for this next year of uh of drakedom what, what do you think it would be?
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean, to, to invent this new position in a way that feels balanced to the eight teams and connects to the kids. And so I'm not just like an administrative clerical. I could imagine it being that, right? Mm-hmm. Where I get stuck doing binders and managing G- Google folders or whatever. Yeah. Um, and facilitating adult stuff. But so to be able to do that, but also getting in with the kids. And I hope I hope I get to be doing drama and improv and poster making graphic design with every freshman in the school next year. That's what I'd like.
0: You could be you have the opportunity to be like a Dumbledore of sorts, you know, like you're you're uh not well, necessarily I'd like to
1: push into the classes though. I'd like to push into the classes. Dumbledore is just the headmaster. He,
0: right. Well, He's I'm not... saying like in the in the way that Dumbledore uh kind of established like the vibe of hogwarts you know like there's a there's a lot of talk about like that his character kind of was was uh, uh it, it was like inherent in all the culture of uh, of the school but but then so you would have this more the... interactive role
1: so you're saying during the umbrage uh administration at hogwarts it was a really different culture yeah all the there's different...
0: there's a lot of there was a lot of writing in that book about how much like it was right when i think when that when that one was out it was like during the um it was during the you know kind of like nine eleven two thousand one 2001 era where there was a lot of uh-huh. like uh a lot of this kind of authoritarianism yeah. going on and you know, oh, so I'm,
1: Dumbledore was representing like the, the United the, the Afghanistan United States coalition or something.
0: Yeah, I I just <laughs> I felt like Umbridge was really reminiscent for me of a certain, uh, Loganita school district administrator of who I will not <laughs> oh, wow. who I will not name, but uh, but it was like spot on here. when that book came out. It was like right during that era, and I was like, this is totally. Uh, you know, it was a sharp contrast yeah. to our much beloved Larry Enos of yesteryear.
1: Right. You know. But Dumbledore, but Dumbledore, right. He sets the tone, but I'm sure, I hope so. But I'm more interested in, I mean, I'm, I'm also interested and hope that it happens that I'm getting into the classrooms. Cause I think if I was, let's say you gave me your class for a day or a period of that week or whatever. And th- so I'm doing circle games or whatever with your class that allows you to go team teach with your colleagues in your SLC or do more lesson design planning or get right like I can be providing these teachers I hope or they can stay in the class and do the do the games too right Mm -hmm. that might be really good but the idea of me actually getting some of their class time to do fun team building and, and and public speaking is um A a, a hope I have for the next year, for sure.
0: I think it's a necessity. I think if you guys are really trying to create these SLCs, you know, in in a sustainable way, that that weaving that into it, I don't, you know, I think that's like you're going to be your greatest chance at success at having these things last is like creating those traditions and weaving the arts, the drama into how these things are done. Cause that's really what gives this stuff its flavor and its character. You know, what are you doing it for? Yeah. If not for these kind of like higher, higher things in a way, you know,
1: it's gotta be for that. Right. Otherwise yeah. it's just a job.
0: Totally. And, yeah. And, and you're, you you got to you know, at all times, remember that you're working with children, you know, these are kids still. And that's kids want to be creative. We all do, but you know, <laughs>
1: I don't know if they know that man there's it's it's beat out of them with the the the, the um emphasis on on just academic computer based academic um grinding
0: totally. and
1: cuz you know they, they, they don't unless they opt into the art track right like that happens early in middle school where they're like okay are you going to do what elective do you want and you pick it and that's like now you're an art kid or you're a graphic design kid or an engineering kid or a sport ball kid, or music, you know. There's a few choices, but not that many. And dramas, drama doesn't get a lot of it, obviously, without you look at our numbers.
0: Right. But but I think that that like there's this misconception that somehow you know like that art has to be uh in you know an isolated and separate like if you're a quote-unquote art kid you you like to draw or you're a sculptor or you're a musician that somehow that has to be like refined in its own separate category but like the interdisciplinary nature like let's say your parents are putting pressure on you because you want to paint but they're like you need to learn engineering well why can't you be an engineering artist? You know, why can't you weave the art? Maybe you want to build like a Burning Man sculpture. Maybe you want to like make a you know team up with your friend who can do little weird animations, and you can write the code for the program. Or you know, there's like so many applications of this creative element where you know the art side is actually unlocking these these kids you know repressed psychology that's allowing them to pursue their passion and yes, still get the work done and still be working on these core things that, you know, these, that our government is deemed essential, but, but to do so in a way that's a little more joy filled and a little more, you know, it doesn't have to feel, feel like a, a drudge, you know?
1: Yeah. Hobie, I really like how you keep hammering this point about, about the way we categorize arts into this vestigial extra, extension add-on elective whereas really it, it is integrated i mean integrated studies curriculum the design involved in it, like why do you want to buy an apple product instead of a, a square box with wire sticking out you know right. <laughs> because of the artistic the the design that goes into it and that that's totally marginalized again and so I, I that i think maybe that's a summary of what i'd like to get done is to help that the arts visual and performing arts right and all the the inherent things of that to get out of the margins and into the core because and, and it kind of gets to that a through g thing you know is it, i mean a through g has one year of fine arts that's the requirement right and that can be one year it, it can't be half visual arts and half Theater, though, that doesn't count. Right. got to be one whole, which is good because it means at least it's a whole year. They don't do half. But it's like so basic. One year of an art, either music, theater, or any kind of visual. And it should be two years. So how about that? Why don't we start with that? Two years of arts.
0: Right. Well, or expect-
1: just, you know, they, the kids, take, kids take, what do you call it, a blank period, right? Mm-hmm tons of kids. Now it's going to be fewer cuz the budget's going to make um, you know, you can't pay you can't um give so many release period uh, what do you call it for kids? Um, f- free period, I guess. Yeah. yeah. But take a class. Take a guitar. Yeah. Yoga. Totally. Ceramics, art history, computer graphics, right? PE, P- P- e, basket like take a good Adults wish we could take the classes again. Spanish, man. Right. People pay money to go take Spanish. Totally.
0: And and also to recognize that these that fostering your own creative expression, whatever realm it is, whether you're going into a STEM career path, whether you're going into like an artful career path, I think that as we start to automate more and more of these jobs and, and from what I've heard from you know the the people that I've heard talk who are deep in these industries, they're, they're all saying that in the next decade, the automation's coming. They're, they're, we're going to be automating across the board. And in my mind, you know, the one area that is kind of insulated from all of that is the creative element. If you can find a way to be innovative and creative in whatever field you choose, that essence is what is the most difficult to make a machine that, that can do. And so whether you're a designer who's creating machines or whether you're uh, someone that makes entertainment or whether you're someone that is an educator. You know, the the thing that the robot can't do is to be creative. And so that, I see it as being actually the most robust uh, form of education is how do we unlock your creative potential? Whatever you want to do, it's no longer a niche thing to want to be an artist. The art's got to come at the root of whatever sort of work you're doing because we're no longer going to factories we're no longer going to call centers all that stuff's going away and the only way to i think to really have you know some sort of stability and sustainability with your chosen career path is to be able to innovate maybe even change you know a lot of talk is that in my in our newer generations we're going to have maybe five careers in our life and so to prepare for just one path you know the the system keeps shifting and, and innovation is accelerating. So it's, it really, I think it's, you know, it seems like s- certain, you know, maybe the hegemonic, uh, you know, big capital A administration of education is, is behind in this. And, and, you know, there's a, that's a whole nother set of weeds we could get into, but on the ground level, everything we can do to try to, you know give give these young people and a chance to you know think about their art as a fundamental part of you know these career choices or of uh, you know it's no longer something that you have to make a sacrifice for to be an artist it can be part of yeah, it yeah it is ex-
1: it is core it's it's yeah. got to be a core it, it, it's putting the a into stem right that's that was that's kind of Steam. the the umbrella <laughs> what we're talking about is' putting the a in there so there's the arts because but I really like the it, the the aspect of of that it's actually improving your fortunes for your prospects of the future mm-hmm. are 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 going to be enhanced by having that the the design and arts and visual communication and public speaking um that's and and adaptability like you're saying maybe that's what your the main skill you're going to need is how to work well with different people and and switch gears real fast and and be able to do that and i think it, it, the big A Administration of Education is, behind, is a slow-moving aircraft carrier, yeah. but this pandemic has forced it for the first time in my career to be nimble, and they've they're they they have to be shifting and coming up with new ideas, and so that's the time to get in insert these new this some new pilots of things because it's so institutional and, but on uh, but scientifically what you're saying is. Uh, And everyone agrees what you're saying is just totally right. And so, you know, having skills that aren't automatable is, it's like an equation that to get those skills, doing the arts will help you equals, you know, doing the, not doing it. And so the opposite side of it is not doing it is a mistake, right? Just being, staying the status quo of book learning, Right. And so, yeah, man, I, I'm. I feel like that's really supportive. That's my new goal now, <laughs> for the, um, the next 12 months.
0: Yeah, well, and and to to find a way to do the personal work, uh, to where like whatever it is you want first, like you know, to identify what it is that you want to do in your life, which is a ma- massive undertaking. We give way too little weight to it, to that, to the journey. I think in our society that like your twenties are this time of seeking and like figuring out, like how do I want to apply myself, you know, and coming to grips with the struggles inherent in identifying, you know, how can I best spend the limited time I have? But then also to, you know, when, when you find that, that path to, to get to a point where you're like wanting to work, where you want to do the work, you know, we live in a, a time where it's so easy to, 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 to fall into a a pattern where you're like fighting again, I'm returning to this thing where you're fighting your own psychology, where we create these early on, we create these negative connotations with hard work, with, uh, with doing whatever little assignments, low order stuff we have to do to create these big dreams. And so then when you do actually figure it out, like I know I'm still fighting, even though I'm doing what I love right now, I still wake up some days and like, I'm just fighting my mind. Like, how do I get back to that place where I'm excited to sit down and be productive? Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, as a creative person, that's like half of the whole battle is like just getting to that point of creation where you can get out of your own way, where you can get out of your head, where you can, you know, uh, produce something, you know?
1: Yeah. Thank you, Hope good stuff.
0: Yeah. Thank you, man. I think that these kids are, you know, super lucky. I think the school is super lucky to have you. I'm really excited to see, uh, how, you know, this product of, you know, or this program develops. And, um, I could think of no one better that I would choose to, to design a new system like this than you. I think you're, you're going to do great, you know, whatever, whatever comes out of it. And I'd love to, Bring you back on, maybe, uh, uh, with some periodic updates in the future, because um, this is totally something I'm passionate about, and I think we could we could spend a lot more time talking on.
1: Yeah, I love hearing all the all the education theory. That's like right in my in my uh, deep vein, going rushing the the central channel of my river right now. Um, I do want to say, I you know, I, I don't want to be too Pollyanna-ish about it all, and I'm, I'm really sad, mm-hmm. um, especially now that we're we're going to wind down this year and parents were, like, going to have a rock celebration thing right after the, the, the weekend of graduation and, like, a, a ceremonial goodbye to Miss Kay, who's retiring, and wind out the year in a, tr- a traditional way with sophomore awards and rock review, and we're trying to do online versions of those things and stuff, but it, it, it's you know we meet on every meeting we have a every week we have a rock meeting and it definitely is a sad time to be ending everything now in this such a you know drizzling dripping out kind of way as far as the program <laughs> right goodbye um yeah, and there, there's you know be a it, it, it's been a rough it's been a rough year for us in the last couple of years where it's been like kind of moving that way the writing's on the wall is it really true is it going to end maybe we can you know and then all of a sudden. You know, this is it. So I I sure it's been a gift. 20 years is a pretty good number to work with the same team of four people for my full time job for 20 years. You know, I feel really blessed and grateful to have had the spot and to be um, have shared the experience of, of bringing so many kids like you through the program and getting to see you come up into it, do it and then move on into life that with these three colleagues it's like a very uh professionally you know the biggest thing in my in my life you know
0: right how how are the other how are your you know compadres uh handling it and and are they going to be you know are are, are any of them going to play a role in this new oh yeah system? well they're
1: hanging they're hanging in there you know on on the google meet technology meetings we have all scheduled and you know, trying to be modest and reasonable about it in terms of, um, trying to grind it out with the, with the workload, because it just isn't the same, like I was saying, Mm -hmm. but, um, Griffo and Doc are both in SLCs next year, um, on a team and the science third of every team is a little more rocky because the numbers and the credentials in science are all different. So who can teach what and all the different levels of chemistry and stuff, um, is, uh, in other words, it's not as pure like some chemistry teachers. I mean, some science teachers are switching. Like, there's three sections per SLC, and they're they're splitting them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, Doc, I think is has is part of two different ones. I think for sure it's part of one whole one. But um, and Griffo just has one more year, so he's like, look, I'm not gonna, I, I'm not gonna try and. Um, start something all the way, some brand new thing, wide-eyed, but I'm ready to be on a team and offer what I know about what works and stuff. So he's on a cool team of people to be excited. And and Doc just keeps saying, look, these are good teams. Let's get some fun and games in there. Yes. We need, you know, like, so I really I really admire that he always holds that as like a critical must-have for any SLC that's going to have culture and identity and, and fun, you know.
0: We'll, well, please tell him when you get a chance that I I love that and I want to give him a big thumbs up in that regard.
1: Yeah, I will hope. And Sheila Souter also, the last, I'd say, five or seven years has been directly affiliated with Rock. So she's kind of become a fifth member of the team and pops into our meetings a lot. And is, she has all of our students, right? So it's a really neat relationship where where she's been able to be a total leveraging her, you know, the counseling department stuff, and her expertise with our kids and helping kids not fall through the cracks or whatever. That's great. And so she's also, it's been part of the sad goodbye thing is, you know, she's working next year too, same kind of thing, but it's all getting reshuffled, et cetera. Yeah.
0: Right on. Well, well we, you know, we're, we're living in these times of like great change and uh, it's, it's easy to feel – scared or overwhelmed that's like the natural feeling but but that's also you know the the cool part about it is we're all out of our comfort zone so that's when this growth happens and the, you know the the, um you never know what's possible until it is you know until you achieve it and you know i think that uh you know is there any has there been any um any question of of how much like student input is going to be able to be put into the, into developing this.
1: Well, this, there were surveys and stuff that that were either in the link I sent you actually about on the on the Drake page some of it and that was taken, you know, looked at by the innovation team and everything, but it wasn't in terms of the design. I'm that's, you know, the the culture of it is going to I'm hoping to be um a, a f- mediate facilitating the kids helping to design their own culture, especially the the rising sophomores. you know, to try and retain what they liked about their previous SLC and, um, what new ideas they have definitely. But I don't know that there's a specific, um, vehicle for that yet, but that's my, I definitely want to be doing that as much as the three, the teams of three teachers want me to, or just they are, we'll see.
0: Right. Yeah. No, I know, I know that that's always a, you know, a theme in, in your teaching too, is getting the kids involved. And I think that that's an amazing, uh, opportunity for these super sophomores to to get that leadership experience and feel like they're leaving their mark and like they're you know they're getting to kind of uh in a way it's a service you know to the many generations to come to uh to help bring about this change
1: yeah it'll it'll take a while but we're going to get there and i hope it's something bigger bolder and um and really fantastic so thanks for having me on hobie this has been really fun and i'd love to love to give you updates i like i like getting philosophical with you uh as much as anyone else in the world i think so hey man
0: i the feeling is super mutual and you know anytime anytime you want to you want to rap about this stuff on or off you know mike i i uh i could do it all day it's it's a joy all right so yeah we we got cut off at the end there uh more technical difficulties I'm going to try to work on getting that you know doing the bit of sleuthing digital deductions to uh, figure out what what was happening I know there was some weird echo in my voice at times so apologies uh, to you all for that and I just want to say that you're incredibly brave uh, for sitting through it Um, and, and my heart goes out to you um, yeah, Jasper, man, what more can I say? What a cool dude, huh? Uh, I feel, you know, I, I do feel really, uh, a lot, I do feel a sense of loss and sadness about the, about, you know, the going away of rock and this wonderful program. It was like super important to me in my development, but man, like these kids now have a Jasper who's like dedicating himself full time to like bringing, bringing that level of creativity and fun into like the education for the whole school. Like I feel pretty confident that uh, there's a bright future ahead for Drake and for these lucky kids that are going to get to have him. Um, And it's, you know, you can just hear it in his voice like how passionate he is about this stuff and how, open-minded and forward thinking he is and you know t- to have someone like that in any uh institution um i definitely you know was very it was was very aware you know both as a student and as a, a friend of just seeing the the enormous like umbrella of just positivity and, and energy that that surrounds this guy so i think there's going to be some great things on the horizon um do have a note i I don't know if I mentioned this earlier on, but the name of the high school was Sir Francis Drake high School that's where I went, and that's where this program took place um, and uh, one one last thing I want to say at the end of this outro is just that I've been doing my best to uh, to try to promote this you know to the extent of my abilities on all these social media platforms, and I don't quite understand how it all works yet um i'm pretty sure like on facebook I, i'll share these episodes but i don't really think they're getting out to to people so um this one especially uh you know i'm not really stressing about that i'm pretty early on it's I'm mostly just doing this for the love of the game and 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 to tr- to, t- to learn how to how to do a podcast effectively but um this one especially i do feel like I really want to try to get this one out to like my fellow Drake alumni and fellow Rock alumni um I just want them to hear that's this story I want to hear them to hear Jasper talk I think people would be really interested in hearing uh just just this you know not only his commentary but his explanation of the way that that things were going on behind the scenes while we were there and I know for me, like getting to hear Jasper tell the story really made me feel a lot better about this program going away. And I want that for all of the others out there that, um, that may be hurting because they hear it's ending. So if this is something that you like and you feel is useful or, you know, I definitely would appreciate, you know, any sort of sharing word of mouth, Facebook, whatever platforms you like, um, no pressure, totally just a humble ask or whatever and uh if you've listened this far, um appreciate you uh, much love to you all and uh i got I got a another one that I'm really excited about that's probably gonna be out in the next couple of days that I did with my brother or sitting a de- sitting down and talking about a uh, space jam and um and this whole last dance documentary with Michael Jordan that just finished. So there will be an Owen Brothers edition of the Bartcast coming out uh, within the next few days. Um, so, you know, and I got, I got a bunch of guests booked for the, the next couple weeks. So this train's going to keep on running. And uh, we got some exciting people coming up on the horizon. So thanks again. Uh, love to you all. And uh, as my friend Mara likes to say, keep on shining.